0: And welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, getting better. My name is Ben Hansen and I'm joined by Jacob Geller.
1: I'm allowed to talk about it.
0: <laughs> I'm
2: joined by Kyle Hilliard. I've been invited to talk about it. And we're joined by Siferoa, <laughs> Jenna Garcia.
0: <laughs> welcome. Uh, if you're an audio listener, uh, I feel sorry for you right now. Check out the video version over there on YouTube.com slash MinMax. Uh, Jenna Garcia, welcome to the show.
3: Hello! Excited to be here. I am that my wig arrived in time. It's really. It's
0: honestly, Janet. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if it's a compliment when somebody radically changes their look and it's like, you look really cool. Like you look good. Uh, but you're right. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Okay, that's why I keep
3: looking at Sephiroth because, honestly, like I was having way too much fun wearing this yesterday. Just being like. You know, it's a good time. I, I had
2: a moment where I, I logged in and I was like, is Alana Pierce a
3: guest on this <laughs> <laughs> Alana does so have Sephiroth energy, yeah. yeah. It's, in the, in the <laughs> it's a vibe.
2: Ride. It's a vibe and a haircut. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, hey, on this episode of the podcast, oh boy, we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I believe it or not, I'm excited to talk about that game. Then we're going to be talking about, Jesus, this is a good episode, everybody. We're going to be talking about Elden Ring, Shadow of the Erd Tree. They released that first gameplay trailer. We're going to be talking about the Nintendo Direct. Eh, partner showcase but nintendo direct nonetheless we'll talk about all that fun stuff and then uh we have jeff and leo vader joining the show we're gonna be talking about balatro the game that you might have heard of you might not but it's sweeping the world uh poker's back everybody like it's 2003 all over again we got chris moneymaker joining us on the podcast to talk about Bellatro. um then Helldivers 2 and then back after the show we have some great questions from the community um it is, it is alarming how many great questions we get on the podcast every single week. Like we have that post up on Patreon. I think we're at 140 questions this week. It was the first time where I was like, all right, I'm starting to get a little bit scared of how many we are sorting through. But that just means it's better. We're, we're pulling the, the best of the best for community questions. So no harm done. Okay. Are you all ready for this? Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm so scared
1: to talk about this game around back then. I
0: I don't know what anybody else thinks about this. I really am going in completely blind as of the time of this recording for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Some friends have wanted to talk to me about it, and I've been frankly rude in me just being like, I know, I just I don't (laughs) want to say a single word about it until we're on a podcast. I don't want to hear what you think about it until we're on a podcast. Here's the thing, and I hope you all. can please obey these rules. I want to be 10 out of 10 tight on spoiler stuff for this discussion about Rebirth for my own sake and I assume the community as well.
1: So you know how like the trailers of this game show scenes and gameplay and story? Take all that out. (laughs) Pretend you've
0: never heard of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and then talk about it. There's going to be a lot to talk about beyond those little things. I would How would you know
3: that though? (laughs) You know what I mean? Because
0: I've played 11 and a half hours of this game and I have... Over 16 pages of notes so far. Oh,
2: so you have started playing. Yes. I thought maybe you were withholding for like... No, uh, no, no. I'm at, I'm at the okay.
0: second stopping point for The Deepest Dive. So we're oh. t- talking about this in a multi park club discussion called The Deepest cool. Dive. We'll get more into it later. But first discussion for The Deepest Dive is focusing on clouds past. And the second discussion for the second week is covering... Uh, the beginning of the game up through chapter four is the idea. So I'm at that. I'm near that stopping point. Uh, I'm in chapter four right now. Um, I'm also in chapter four. um, Ooh, okay, great. I think
2: I might be in the same spot. But I think Jacob maybe is way farther ahead.
3: But like, I've spent a lot of hours, and that's kind of what I want. I'm like, I don't have really anything to spoil. If I wanted to, if you Same. paid me to spoil it, I could tell you very little. about
1: Interesting. The game. Interesting. Okay. And I'm
3: 27 hours in. Uh, 27 hours. There, yes.
1: I I have finished it. Yes. So hey, I am congratulations. The credits of Final Fantasy VII. Reap. Oh my god! This is sorry, man. are credits. I'm sorry.
0: Great. <laughs> Humans worked on this. Okay, that's interesting. That implies that Chapter Four is pretty big. If you're that deep into a Jen, because I'm I've been 100%ing up until this point. Um, And chapter two is a beast. But yeah, I'm like 11 and a half hours in just starting chapter four. Um, So, okay. I mean, for me, I'll just get this ball rolling a little bit. Um, You know, still early phases of this game, but wowed me out of the gate. We've talked about a little bit in preview content. Um, And the part I was most skeptical about was the open world stuff. And by the end of chapter two, I was like, all right. You got me beyond hook line and sinker i am I am sinking in love uh with this game to an unhealthy degree, and so I am adoring it so far. There's definitely a lot to talk about here, but Jacob, I'm curious to somebody who finished it. how are you feeling
1: about it i I have been puzzling over how I feel about this game okay for, for so long it took me many hours to beat it. Uh, it has been many hours since I beat it and I just, I, I like, I can't figure it out. Like it's, (laughs) I I think my, my, you know, my main takeaway, which I think is obvious right from the get out is it's, it is a, a messy game. I think in terms of just ever in the story is, is really picking up right where the last game ended I think it is, like, it makes very little kind of affordances to people who are not familiar with exactly what happened in Final Fantasy VII Remake. They try and do, like, Um, a, a, you know,
0: story recap as an option for you and stuff, right?
1: Right, but I I think even more significantly than that, it's like, when you start the game, almost right off the bat, you have as many people in your party as you had at the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake. You have, like... 40 different materia slots available to you at all times the game introduces new systems during those first couple hours literally once every five minutes like for hours it gives you stuff to do and that kind of keeps up through the experience yeah you know Mm. and so it is like it is a game that is trying so much and doing so much and like i i find a lot of those things really compelling but like I it, it's not I think remake is going to be the the kind of like perfect focused like here's here's an idea that we're doing here with Final Fantasy 7 remake and this feels like it is so many more ideas all kind of crammed into one game and and some of them just kind of don't work for me that like. I can't. I can't decide what it, some of its parts is. That's uh, interesting,
0: <laughs> and a lot of that comes down to the open world slash open region systems. I mean, it's well, you want to define kind that. of. Okay. I
1: I think those are fine. You know, Ooh, like that. Okay. That's kind of where I land on those. I think they're they're not they're not breaking new ground in the open world genre, but they're not bad either. They're just fine. I think it is more the like almost the middleness of this game, the fact that it is the middle third of the story makes it pretty hard for them. Like we talked about a lot. Midgar, I'll, I'll let other people talk soon, but I've been <laughs> stewing in my own thoughts with this game <laughs> for so long. Yeah. You've yeah. Like, played the most, man. Oh, yeah, You know, Midgar is such this perfect contained story. And for yes. the first game to be like, here's Midgar. It's kind of like, even though that game like the end of Midgar is not the end of Final Fantasy VII. It feels like they go on a journey and they finish it. And here, I think the game really kind of struggles to draw that same kind of arc, because right. the story, just the beginning and end points are not as clearly defined. Um, and so, like, the, the overall narrative that the game is telling I struggled with because I I just kind of, like, I don't feel that drive the same way that I did in Midgar, necessarily. That's
0: interesting. I mean, and again, we'll let Kyle and Janet talk at some point here, but it's a little bit of, you know, a two-tower situation or something, where it's like, now two-towers has a lot of defenders, but I think at the time it was very much like, well, yeah, it's the weakest of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, because you're just waiting for, like, that grand finale of the final third. and here. Look, I'm just kind of spitballing up my, like always
2: well, been my I, favorite. It's, it's a <laughs>
0: cool person's choice for a while, but it, it, I totally hear you. Where the game is structured the original in such a way of like you're in Midgar and then bam, the open world. So it is. I have no idea how this game ends in any way, but I think it's a fascinating conundrum of, like, how do you cut people off and then how do you pick up for that
1: final third? Yeah, you know, and it's like, okay, Cloud, you know, Cloud had an arc in the first game where he he starts mm. off not caring and he ends caring. And then it's like, well, what do you do for this? Because you kind of want it to be okay. an sure. Empire Strikes Back or something. You know, it's like the middle of the trilogy. But it's not... It's kind of the middle of a trilogy and it's kind of the second third of a video game that was made Mm. (laughs) 25 years ago. So like, it's I I find it fascinating, but I also find it really hard to just be like, this is great in the same way that I felt wholeheartedly about remake.
3: Well, I have a question about that, like specifically because before records, like I didn't talk to very much about the game, but we did like slack a few times like you and i jacob mm-hmm. and same with kyle i talked to him briefly about some things you all are slacking behind you... my
0: back about final fantasy this is outrageous
2: <laughs> you would if you <laughs> look at those threads you'd be so mad at us <laughs> i really like rid- why are you talking about i this really story? would be furious
3: um yeah it's the new york times over there but anyway um <laughs> jacob i'm curious when do you feel like the story really s- kind of starts to kick up because that was one thing you commented to me somewhat early on where you're like i feel like nothing's happened yet and i think for me and kyle's playthrough and to a degree Ben's as well it's like yeah nothing's really happened yet like when does it really get going does it does it never quite get going what's the deal there
1: it's hard because like characters have moments throughout where there are kind of like set pieces where you're like oh that was a great you know barrett storyline or like that was a great red 13 storyline but trying to find the kind of connective tissue between those moments is is something that I think the game really struggles with. And so, like, for a lot of the game, I'm just... I was just kind of like, what are they trying to do? What are they trying <laughs> to accomplish? And and other than the broadest strokes of that, I think the game kind of has a hard time figuring out how to, like, give you that constant forward motivation outside of just, like, set pieces. So, to answer your question, Janet... I kind of don't think it ever really finds it. Mm. <laughs> that is I it's such a I wild thing to hear. I, I, I <laughs> to, to hear like, when does the
0: story get going? I know I'm in the bag for this stuff. It's my favorite game of all time. The original is and all this stuff, but it's like, I think it's such a smart idea to have open with clouds past, a compelling little two hour vignette story, right? Like here's, here's why Sephiroth is a bad guy. All your questions about that from Remake. Here you go, everybody. And then kicking you out into the open world of Final Fantasy VII in this one. And I feel like they do such a good job of reiterating what's going on. It's like, we are trying to hunt down Sephiroth. He is trying to hurt the planet. We need to stop Sephiroth. Also, we need to move forward. But also, Shinra's on our back because of everything that happened in Midgar. And so we have that pressure from behind as we're pushing above. And then beyond that, it's just now let's explore so much of this world. And I think like the thing that really gets me in you know the opening hours of Rebirth is first of all I know I said this about Remake as well, but I always forget how funny uh, Remake was. And I think Rebirth, I know I'm in the bag for this stuff again. But like I think the writing is great. I think it's surprisingly funny, um, and having all these little character moments are are so charming. Uh, throughout it. But I think the part that kills me is just like the characters are having fun for the first time. Like there's moments of fun in remake. There's no doubt about it, but like it mirrors so well with like open the doors, let's go into the grasslands and like having these characters I love so much all in a good mood more or less for the beginning chunk of this game, right? Like it is such a delightful tone uh, to have Barrett be super jokey and animated, everybody is kind of getting to know each other for real, uh, you know, for the first time. I am just taken aback by that. And then the part that that really slays me is, you know, I was skeptical about the open world stuff, and I think there's definitely bones that can be picked, and I want to hear what you all think about it for sure. But at the same time, it's like I'm not a completionist in games. I'm not a big open world checkpoint kind of guy um but still i realized at a certain point in this game like oh no like it's open world checklisty but the carrot at the end of that stick is like a little cute moment with aerith or a little cute moment with red 13 these are my best buds from my childhood like i <laughs> i am so compelled by this i will do any side quest ever if i get like a slightly heartbreaking conversation with red 13 like done and done. I am over the moon about that type of stuff, but Kyle and Janet, will you please let the world know how you feel about rebirth so far?
2: (laughs) I mean, I, you like, I think you calling out that you're in the bag is, is, is relevant and important because like, I, I certainly don't feel as strongly about these characters and sometimes the sort of comedic nature of it, it kind of grinds against me a little bit. It's a little too like characters, like sort of posing you as they're like explaining Japanese, things. And that's like sure. a little bit too much for me. The thing that I ran into, um, with the open world stuff in particular, um, to be clear, I'm enjoying this game, and once I got a handle back on the combat, I was like, Okay, great. like this feels good again. I had so to go good. hang out with Chadley for a while and like relearn everything. Oh, God. But God I wanted man. to hang out with Chadley for <laughs> a lot more. Dude, yeah. Chadley's gotta, the worst. Gotta call-
3: but continue. <laughs>
2: I got to call him on my gun shaped phone for some reason. Um, but the thing that I ran into is like, I want to know I like I, the main story is what's interesting to me. And I was true. Like it asked me if I wanted to learn the card game. And I said, no, thanks. Wow. Like I'm, I'm good. I want to just see the main story and get to the combat. Yeah. And I hit a, a boss pretty early on. Like the first, I guess, yeah, the first boss that you hit really. And he was totally destroying me. And I had this sort of moment where I was like, I have to go do all this stuff like I, ha- I you, the the open world stuff is at least for my playthrough and maybe I'm bad at the combat it yeah. feels required which is which really rubbed against me the wrong way initially. I'm coming around on it in the second open area I've kind of like now have a better understanding of like I need to do a lot of this stuff if I want to be successful moving forward yeah but like that first barrier that I hit and I was like, I gotta go back, I gotta go play that card game that I'm not interested in I gotta go. I gotta go buy chocobo armor that I don't care about. I gotta like do these like these find these gems and play that like triangle pressing mini game a handful of times. Like I I initially it it really rubbed me the wrong way. It 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 felt like it's like yeah open world and you know you can do what you want and maybe that's the sort of the breath of the wildness that has uh, spoiled me. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like I can kind of do what I want and if I want to do the main story I can just do that. But the game was kind of like no you. You got to do this other stuff. Well, that's interesting. And, but, I, and, I, and I did it and it was like, yeah, most of it's fine. And then like the next area, I kind of went into it like, OK, I, I kind of know I need to do this and I, and I didn't feel as like annoyed by it. But that was sort of my first impression was like, I kind of wanted to see the main story and you're really holding me back
0: here. Well, there is. Did you try the dynamic difficulty? Because it starts out default on normal, but there's a dynamic mode so that I think it's designed so that if you are doing all the side stuff that everything kind of scales up with you. Um, okay. but I, maybe you
2: know. I try that but I also don't want to I want to play the combat at the level they they sort of designed it to be played at I don't right. really want it to drop down to easy for me well that's, right? the thing. And that's I like mean, the thing I have to square I guess
0: you gotta square yeah, Enix yeah, Enix. It, yeah. <laughs> we, we all got there immediately no but that's interesting because I you know 100% did everything in that first open region area and then I mean, it's just been a cakewalk for me since, you know. So Same. I think there is yeah. a there's a dividing line, a fine line you got to find. I think, and maybe, I think dynamic maybe spending, difficulty spending time is with secret.
2: Chadley was ultimately more important than doing all the oh, side yes. quests and stuff. Because like going through all the tutorials and doing everything that he yeah just really gave me a chance to sort of relearn the combat um yeah but yeah so that's where i'm at like a little annoyed by the open world stuff but like i i want to keep going and i am I'm, I'm in simple position to janet where like i f- i kind of feel like nothing has happened for me yet yeah. like that's why i was so annoyed by the open world stuff because i was like i would like something to happen please
1: i i think i think this game is not going to be satisfying for people who want to mainline it and right, i i right. think that is both because it does require that you do a lot of side stuff. I did, I did a lot of side stuff. I came close to hundred percenting several regions on the map. I did a lot of the Chadley, you know, combat things. I ended, uh, two levels higher than the suggested level for the last mission. And it was extremely challenging. So it's like, I, I, I almost feel like I did the minimum amount that you can do for the game. Right. Uh, and I did a lot. And if you're looking for those like sweet sweet bits of story for the mainlining thing, I think that might also get a little frustrating because you'll keep waiting for things to happen and and they kind of won't. Okay. That's what yeah, i like very
3: slow rolled experience. Like it's but it's also a game that I think y'all kind of nailed it, where it lends itself to that, but it's also, like, restricted by that. It kind of handcuffs itself to being this, like, checklisty thing. I think, structurally, I gotta admit, the open world is kind of basic. Like, it's very, like, a couple towers, a couple crystal, like, a couple battle things. That being said, though, I love it. I think this definitely (laughs) finds a way to, like... Like, I'm enjoying my time with the game, even though, yeah, narratively, it's not, like, popping off. But, frankly, I... Dislike the narrative of the first one so much that I'm like, at least I know who these people are. Stap- wow. Step up to me. I'm like, okay. I'm like, yes, this is why she was a cowboy. It makes sense now. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it all together. So my bar is maybe kind of low, but I am kind of waiting for what really is the, what, what are the driving plot points? Um, But yeah, I'm really enjoying the combat. The combat's incredible. It's funny because, you know, we all have come at this from different angles. Like Ben, you're like, I'll do any... You know, I'll find any wagon wheel if I can just yeah. see Tifa for two more minutes. That's and I'm exactly like, oh, I'm how I feel. To get that, that material That's how I feel, too,
1: but for different reasons.
2: You maybe. come
3: on, guys. Yeah, I or... feel like
2: I could get there. You know what I mean? Like, I think maybe I if just need to, spend... need to spend <laughs> 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 Like, I do well, find with, with these kinds of games, because like the further I get into it, the more interest I am in like, you know, pursuing that extra additional stuff. But it just like I said, a bad first impression of like I want to go to yeah, that yeah, yeah. icon that gives me a <laughs> yeah. cool cutscene and you're right. not letting me, yeah. you know,
3: so you know, I want to open the random chest and by the tree, even though I know design wise it's as it's so dull it's two but motions. I want to do yes, yeah, but like I want it. it's that it's this is a very lizard brain game, and I think if you're looking for maybe that deeper, <laughs> intensive, intriguing quest lines, like you might be left wanting, you know it's interesting. I've been playing this for you know some time now since getting code and meanwhile like my partner next to me has been going through game after game chasing the high that i already have cuz i'm like he's like oh man i just I, you're you're playing this great game and like i'm not and that was true until he started yakuza like a dragon and i turned and i said you're playing a better game than me and and i was like damn this is the salt you feel now that's a high bar for i think rpgs in general but i i bring that up to mention or to highlight the fact that as much fun as this game is and as well tuned the combat is perfectly beautifully tuned it does have aspects that do leave want. Like, there are other games that do things better than this. It's not the
1: best game ever made in every single aspect. Yeah,
3: I mean, well, honestly, though, I think that's kind of... The conversation around this franchise is at that level. Like, people talk about 7 is one of the greatest games. You know, it's one of the most iconic, like, re- like this is a game so, that so everyone yeah, knows is going to Someone on this go- very
2: podcast was already calling either It or Like a Dragon the game of the year like two weeks ago.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yep, like, these are... Correct. This is operating already at a high level at the gate. Like, people don't even need to listen to this episode to know that it's a good game. It'd be shocking yeah. if it wasn't, right? So now we're getting into more of the granularity, I, I feel well, like.
0: Well, I, I feel like this conversation, and again, I'm sensitive to it, has been... Yeah, yeah, it's a good game, but let, let's talk about everything that's middling about it. Where it's like, what? There's so but much we can get into.
3: I mean, I think it's all working in tandem, right? Because there's things that I think are structurally not that interesting about the open world, but at the same time, it is compelling, right? Why is that? For you, it's the story stuff with the characters. For me, it's the materia. It's the, like, you know, you didn't, like, I'm curious how you felt about the crafting, Ben, but for me, like, yeah, is the crafting that, like, interesting? Not necessarily, but, like, I love, like, grinding the levels, then I unlock a new bangle I can do, and then I can be even more powerful, like, for me. Yeah. And, again, different play styles, like... I chase the power that I can get in it. Like, I don't mind learning it, getting good at it, but I also want to be super powerful. I want to be super efficient. Yeah. I usually um, play on normal, but I will never say a game is too easy. I want to grind my way into godliness, and I get to do this (laughs) while having, you know, some fun out there roaming around with my (laughs) pals. But that's not to say that there isn't still hitches along. Oh, there's hitches. Ben,
1: I think you saying it's a yeah yeah it's a great game let's talk about all that's middling is exactly why i find it so hard to talk about this game because there is so much in it and so much of it is mid like and and i like i i'm i don't mean to sound dismissive but it's like there are several scenes in this game where i yelled at my tv how could anyone think this is fun like, like this game has
0: <laughs> dozens
1: of mini games and many of them are clunkers. And like it's like there are there are parts <laughs> of this game that are not fun. There are parts of this game that seem completely kind of detached from like whatever other ideas the game is doing. Yeah. And then it will hit you with a high that is so high that you think. Well, of course, like this is a great game. Look at the scene that it just delivered. You could not deliver that scene if you didn't know what you were doing. And like those two things are running into each other constantly. Like, I I really I don't know where review scores are going to be for this. Yeah. Presumably they will be high because it's a game with really good graphics and story and, you know, gameplay. But like, other than that, I. I think well because I think that <laughs> I think that the game like kind of doesn't cohere. I think okay. I yeah, think that it like doesn't hold together, and that makes it really like if I was just like here are the things that I want to nitpick about the game, I would talk for three hours, you know, <laughs> and then like the stuff that I like. I'm prepared for us is to do this for so the deep dive.
3: Of, it, it
1: is stuff is stuff that is both hard to talk about because of story reasons and also. Are those more ineffable? Just like I like the characters, you know, and it's like it's hard to figure out. I like the characters versus I have spent 12 hours switching materia between people and the game doesn't doesn't give me enough to like tell me when it's going to restrict me to one party. And then I have to. So it's like there those those walls Come up often, and I kept running into them. That's yeah. really interesting. And, and the, the ch- and
2: the, the option to change your party isn't in the party menu. <laughs> well, that's very unforgivable. <laughs> that is unforgivable. Yeah,
3: I found that so strange, but <laughs> yeah, like now, so now weird. that's really like we're going we're going so granular. We're in the. Yeah, I was in just the making sentence.
2: a joke. I, that's just. But like I do love. No, but movie. that's. I mean,
3: there's <laughs> I like there's still too. validity to that in a sense, right? Like for me, I've you know I'm since I'm so early on, the mini game stuff has worked for me so far because my only mini games have been queen's blood and i just unlocked the um the, what god it's a little game where you're like the little toy soldiers and you're like going up the the routes and you're yeah like, uh, canyon.
0: yeah for yes, condor. condor canyon Fort yeah. condor, a game I that i am that. terrible
3: at i've never been worse at a video game in my life than condor canyon Fort i don't understand condor. how i know what's coming <laughs> Fort, <Condor. laughs> Fort yeah Fort condor um so those things have been better than i think i expected you know i haven't ran into the um like, the robot hands of, like, <laughs> the last game, you know, like, things like that. But, well,
0: I mean, um, I, I mean, I do think it is interesting, like, especially in the opening of Clouds Pass, like, you talk talking about the robot hands. It's so funny in both these games now. There are just, like, those moments of, we talked about it before, but kind of the, the gameplay for gameplay's sake, Of like, yeah, don't you want the giant Mako vacuum? vacuum? And it's like, uh, I I guess. I didn't like like
3: turning the wheel. Turning
0: the crank for a while. There's so many, like, pushing the cart slowly. It's like, does this, it changes up the pace. And I guess that's the point from the developers. But there's so many just those weird little moments of, like, this isn't fun. But there's other moments I guess I won't even get into so far where it's like, yes, they know that this basic activity is fun and let me do it a whole lot in these mithril mines. You know exactly what I want to do in this environment. Yeah.
1: It's, it's a very <laughs> so, it's a very blank check video game. I in you know we we love to talk about yes. the the what what are developers allowed to do? What do they want to do? This is a game where it feels like no one said no at any point in development. Like every <laughs> every idea is It is not just there. I was thinking about this versus Yakuza, actually, which is a, like an interesting comparison where it's like Yakuza has some of the most personable writing I've ever seen in a video game. You know, I think it is a, a a brilliant and charming game. Most side stories in Yakuza will end with you fighting a guy because like fighting is kind of how the game tells stories. And this it's like every side story is going to have a bespoke action that is like animated to a triple a level that you will never see again and a lot of those aren't fun but you still just have to kind of marvel at like another new thing i'm 40 (laughs) hours in and like this is the first time i'm seeing this
0: oh that's that's very exciting uh to hear i think uh the queen's blood before we get too far away from that that is the new card game here for for seven rebirth and kyle i'm with you i couldn't have skipped gwent harder uh, and Queen's Blood <laughs> popped up, and like you know, even the card games for Final Fantasy eight, and nine, like I just, I never was that passionate about it. I know the fan bases are gaga for those things. So Queen's Blood, I was like, I don't think so. But I want to do every quest, so I'm going to learn how to actually play this thing. And I'm having a good time with it. It's a, it's a pretty simple little card game, it's, but I think it's fun. It's really fun. Yeah, um, I like Queen's Blood it. is
3: really good. Ooh, I think yeah. too. One thing that surprised me so far. We'll see if there's more payoff like this. I mean, Jacob would know more than me, but then it is like spoiler territory, I guess. But As much as most of the side stuff is, like, the carrot on the stick is, like, a meter goes up with maybe, like, a little cutscene or something. They're, specifically with Queen's Blood, by the time I got to, like, the second region or something like that, I was doing them. I've been doing all of them. And I got, like, this wild cutscene from, like, Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. And I'm like, okay, maybe, and, and that's kind of what I mean by, like, the... And I know people complain oftentimes when there's criticism that involves like almost like what the game isn't, even though like inherently if you're complaining about something in a game, you're kind of, you know, comparing it to what you feel it's it's lacking to some degree. But that was something that really surprised me and that I hope to see more of where it's like, okay, there's a more again, Jacob, you're talking about cohesion. To me, that was a moment of pure cohesion where I'm like, wow, like this little seemingly trivial thing because you know inherently side content has to be trivialized to some degree or else it would be in the main thing right like it had this cool narrative payoff and it made me feel more rewarded for what i've been doing even though again i'm fine just chasing more bracelets more materia more money and all of that stuff but i'm like oh man like there's more to this world like this this isn't just a place that's full of things for me to do it's a place that people exist in in the context of the overarching narrative you're telling me and i don't think there's like enough of that stuff for me to be overly complimentary to the side content that is in this game and this game feels like a lot of side content i think because the main content is so like and now you're here and it's kind of spread out so much it's gotta be yeah it is a lot of sides like i've been wandering a forest for days and i'm having (laughs) fun doing it but at the same time like i am kind of doing the same thing over and over again, inherently, it's like, okay, a Moogle shop, a Moogle shop here, a tower yep, here, a yep. battle intel, battle intel, Chadley. But I like fighting and I like hanging out. Yeah. So I keep doing it. Like, I don't need to do that. Also, the platinum of, and this is impossible. They want you to be the game on the hardest difficulty, which I think is criminal. Oh, that's uh, and be nice I, wild,
1: and Janet. I think I think doing that might actually be easier than the final Queen's Blood game, which I am on, <laughs> and I I cannot. It seems impossible. <laughs> like I, there there are parts of this game where I've just been like, can't do it without a guide. There's no way. There's no. I just don't know how.
0: That's fun. Uh, so I'm totally with you, Janet. We're like, I'm again. I'm not a big side quest kind of guy. And still in that first region, this side quest where it's like, okay, this is this is a fine little story. There's there's some dialogue here. There's some characters. Sure, I don't really care too much about. And then finishing that one, and then the cutscene payoff for that was like, what? It's like there's yeah. already there are some really good things hiding behind seemingly not interesting side quest content. But it's such an interesting. and This goes to I think the fun thing of this design, Janet, to your point of like, so much of the game is that side content, and it's like. I am tipping my cap in a big way for them trying to tackle that Buffalo, as they say, I don't know um, of just like, we're trying to create the world map from final fantasy seven. And it's has to be huge. We're trying to bring, Oh my God, Jenna has a Buffalo in her cup. We're okay. trying to bring back that feeling of, isn't it a wild experience in an old RPG before like final fantasy X, And they got rid of kind of the, the overworld map, right. Of just this huge environment. And so to try and get back to that, you need stuff to do and it can't all be prime main story content. And so it's a really interesting design challenge. And so that makes sense that a lot of it's going to be side-ish content, you know? And I will
3: say while this game is, is a better game than this franchise, I'm not saying that they're the same. When I play this, I'm like, yeah, this is Horizon. Like it's a great combat oh. side stuff, okay? Yep. Like, I'm like this is Ben's Horizon, so I just want <laughs> to throw right. that out there to break a lot of
0: except with just lovable, lines. charming dialogue and strategy and combat. No, no, I think that's okay. Whatever to you gotta
3: tell yourself, man. Like, it's all good. <laughs> you're you're among friends here, me and yeah. Jeff. Um, no, I mean, too many people to count. You know,
0: I think Horizon is is obviously a, a a big point of inspiration. You know, even you know Hamaguchi, the game's director, has cited Horizon as being maybe his favorite ps4 game like he's a a huge fan of that and you can see it in a lot of spaces here and you talk about like the crafting and stuff janet how that's satisfying just on a lizard brain level like they know what they're doing that item transmutation interface like i didn't really care too much about that about crafting high potion it's like you know i like making the equipment but as you're going through that like it's just pop cap level satisfaction of just things popping up all over yeah. the screen every time yeah. you craft anything like they have honed it very well for all of our lousy lizard brains.
3: There's some nice small quality of life stuff too with that like being on the Chocobos and being able to yes. like pick up while you're on there and not just pick up a pick up in a group in a way that you can't when you're walking. Again, yep. it sounds very
0: No, it's huge. I think
3: to the and you know this is also very debated like on how to approach criticism via podcast like how granular do you get but I think in a weird way, because the game is so vast, it warrants a more granular conversation. Because these are things that you're spending hours and hours doing, mm-hmm. like yeah. picking up little herbs. That's, I've, d- I've picked up more herbs here than I've like d- picked up coins in Mario game. I swear wow. to God, like, I'm picking, you'll, I'm just you'll walking max around. them out. It'll start. Yeah, oh being yeah, like you I can hit that ninety nine. Oh, yeah. I hit that well, 99 real quick. Um, but it still also, disappears
2: from the map. I was picking up herbs for, like, an hour until I noticed on the corner of the screen it <laughs> said, you uh, can't uh, pick any more of these up. Yeah, like, I know it looks uh, like you have been, but you yeah, haven't been. Yeah, they do, like... Oh, okay. that is maybe, You'll never run out. You'll, <laughs> <be different>, but, <laughs> but, um, but, Jacob, I have to make a bunch of stuff I don't need so that I can unlock the ability to make stuff I do need. No, Some actually, that you, you might won't need, need those later. things either.
3: Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, um... Also with Chadley, because I gotta highlight that I can't stand Chadley. He's the most annoying video game character I think I've ever met in my entire I life. Ever met? Who's more annoying? Uh,
0: Navi. I don't know. There's <laughs> probably nah, a bro. thousand. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. You, you Navi, you got a new <laughs>
3: mortal enemy to square up with. But and there's no way to like turn him. Like he talks like all the time about like what you're doing. Like oh, you found this thing. You found this thing. Um. He default comes out of the controller speaker, so my hack, oh, no. if y'all hate him, is to mute the controller speaker. I did that so immediately, that and I'm it. so glad Chad was not screaming <laughs> at me from my room. There were there were
1: moments of true, just like, I was like, I my brain can't handle this, where I would be playing, doing open world stuff, uh, just kind of like listening to a podcast because I want to wipe some stuff off the map. You'd get into a combat scenario where you're you were fighting in these very specific ways. And that whole time, Chadley is talking to you out of the microphone, telling you how you need to do the combat. And what so there's music chatter and,
3: was screaming at full I, 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 There's
1: like, there's, there's music and combat sounds coming from the TV. My controller is just yelling at me. Like, aren't these dragons <laughs> interesting? <laughs> and then I'm also listening to like an episode of Doughboys, And I was like, that's gaming baby.
3: No, um, I do want to shout out those, um, those scenarios of the battle intel, uh, which is what you're describing, where yeah. you, like, approach um, some enemies in the field and you have, like, a set number of things that you need to do to, like, complete the research, essentially. And usually it's, like, pressure, stagger, and, like, some what other thing. And I will say, like, unfortunately, a lot of the, a lot of the intel has boiled down to pressure, stagger, beat in a certain amount of time, but mm-hmm. the way more interesting ones that actually do teach you different ways to use the combat are ones that, like, evoke either a certain way to interact with the enemy things like oh um don't allow them to the one i can't beat is like don't allow the bird to fly away when using whatever wind Like i Mm -hmm. can't do it i don't know why but other ones that i was able to do it's like okay it makes me read the description beyond just what are they weak what are they strong to and kind of really get to learn okay like this is how this enemy behaves once you inflict a certain amount of damage or these other like it really allows you to engage with the deeper levels of combat that is already inherently very layered and i think those are real strengths to where it yeah sure is just a like, couple checklists on a map but i feel like it's in service to the larger purposes of the game in a really cool way
0: yeah i mean the, the combat overall they made a couple of smart choices like the biggest i feel like qualm you can have well, two of the biggest with remakes combat was the idea of like enemies in the air flying enemies they're annoying to deal with. And in this game, I think just getting out of the gate with, hey, you have a party that has Aerith and Barrett in it, and you can use them whenever you want, uh, for the most part. It's like, that helps in a big way. It's like, you're always going to have somebody you can switch to if you want to just shoot down an enemy. But then on top of that, um, they have added the ability to have, like, synergy attacks, which are kind of adapting, but taking from intergrade. Um, and so, that's interesting, because it got, the first remake game had that issue of, there was a fair bit of time where you're just kind of like, I can't do anything. I'm waiting for my ATB gauge to go up, and I'm just slowly circling an enemy, running around perhaps, hoping that gauge goes up a little bit faster. And then in this one, the ability to have synergy attacks, which don't require an ATB gauge. Uh, You can just hit those whenever you want, and you can unlock those with... um, you know, uh, with your party members through the whole Folio system, which is a whole new upgrade path, and another system. Hey, it's a system called Folio now, everybody. Um, but that's cool. But then on top of that, they have different levels of synergies, and this is where we talk about it being a messy game. Jacob, my first thought was like, I love the combat in this game. I mean, it's probably my favorite RPG combat ever. No, at this for point. sure,
1: I agree. I'm I'm fully with you.
0: But I, I, when I think of like this game being messy, I think of just like little things, like okay, there's. The synergies you can do at any point without ATB, but then if you do ATB attacks, it can build up a little tick on a meter, and if you get enough of those, then there's another type of synergy attacks that are also
3: it called took synergy me, like,
1: attacks. It <laughs> the game to figure out, like, when I was getting access to my synergy ability. Right. So it's... is it
3: based on you using ATB attacks? Because yeah. I actually don't... Yeah. Okay. There's so a it's like, like, I don't yeah, we want it. even if it's
1: someone you're not really
2: using a lot, you should switch to them to use a couple ATB attacks and you know right? Yeah, because so you'll see like, a little nod. Three is
1: Cloud and three is Tifa, and then together Cloud and Tifa can like do a mega attack. And it yeah. looks, awesome. Uh, and
0: it
3: looks so awesome. It does yeah. look yeah. really good. Like the production value on this, specifically within the combat, is through the roof in a way that like yes, I have not seen outside. I know keeping up Yakuza, but outside of like maybe Yakuza, and even then it's like kind oh, of goofy. So we just find that they're no. This is.
1: This is so much I, yes. th- this is the point where it's like this game has infinite money. like yes. the the yeah. things the things that happen on screen in this in a similar way to Final Fantasy Sixteen, but I think they just like hit way harder because, like it, the characters and scenarios are interesting. Yes, like it, you know, it is it is just kind of like constant astonishment. and and Ben, I'm sure you will have a million times of saying, like, this was like 30 seconds in the yep. original, and somehow it is like they've spent $15 million on it. <laughs> no, that is, I mean, we
0: streamed um, the chunk of Rebirth in the original Final Fantasy VII over the weekend here from the studio. If you want to watch that, it's on our YouTube channel, my friend Grant and I did. Um, and that's the wild thing. I'm like, oh, this incredible moment from my childhood, one of my favorite sequences like cosmo canyon then you play through the original it's like ah, it's a solid 15 minutes And it's just like what and now it's like i mean that was a magical thing with remake is i mean a character like jesse had seven lines of dialogue and then in remake she's just like one of my favorite characters of the year you know it's how are they doing this um it's it's fascinating and on the topic of you know the amount of production uh money um and combat like I just, I love seeing Red 13 in combat. In Remake, he kind of fought alongside you, but you didn't get to directly control him. And now it's very cool. Right out of the gate here, you get access to Red 13. Um, And he is so wild. Like, if you just hold down the attack button, He basically just becomes like Crash Bandicoot. He's like, he just whips around so fast. And it's so fun because when you go into like command mode and everything goes super slow motion, it's just so fun to watch Red Thirteen in particular, like just like spinning slowly through the air. It's like you're pressing pause on the Tasmanian Devil. And it's such a weird angle for him. But yeah, why not have him just be an absolute maniac with his movement in combat? It's so fun to watch
3: he also controls like way different than everybody else in Mm -hmm. a way that like, unfortunately I can't really roll with red. Like I'm just not a block person. I'm not a parry person. I'm not good at it. Even with the materia that lands, but if you are good at it, like, Oh my God, like red is kind of the perfect character for you because you can really lean into that with like his vengeance mode where you block and then you build it up and you'll be like super OP. I'm more of a, Barrett stands off to the side with the gun sometimes when I feel like I don't want to have to <laughs> think about magic. I just start shooting people and um, yeah.
1: can I can I make a purely mechanical suggestion for people who are beginning to play it? Something that um, I, I wish the game told me. Run it by Kyle I like first. Eight, yeah. Okay. I'll allow uh, Kyle, here's here's what you should do. You have a lot of characters in your party and they each have many different equipment pieces that give them opportunities to put materia in. And it's kind of confusing what you should do because each individual materia levels up and so what i thought is i should be switching these back and forth so that i'm always giving a character you know it's like if if tifa's in my party she's gonna have the hp up and if red 13's in my party and tifa's not I'm going to give Red Thirteen the HP. No wonder
3: you were in those menus for so long.
1: But it's like, but the thing is, there there are materia that take the entire game to level up. And so it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? But yes, I came to the conclusion by the end that that is not what you were supposed to do. And instead, you should buy a bunch of materia from the vending machines, from Chadley, whatever. Give each people basically a loadout and then maybe switch, you know, the one or two good orbs between them. But like... I do think things like that, the game is not good at communicating. It seems to kind of work against itself.
0: Yeah, they're probably trying to limit sure. the amount of tutorials they have popping up. Because it, it's not obnoxious, but there's, you know, hey, here's three pages of how to do this system, how to do this system. And if they're also giving you tips on top of that, like, oh, by the way, you should buy things in this order, not this order. I can understand why it's yeah. too much to get into. But it's definitely tempting you know I, I thought about that as well Is like is that gonna be the way to go for just cycling through all these teammates now which is so wild compared to remake where it's pretty set on who you're using uh at all times as you're going through it and like it is wild that and it it's i understand why but one of the big takeaways from remake as well was like god i wish we could have like preset materia
1: yeah um yeah. and you will wish that many times but throughout so the course of the game. But it's so tough because you
0: should be swapping weapons at a decent clip to get the different abilities from all the weapons and then if you're doing that yeah. all the materia slots are going to be different so you can't just like I guess you could save materia to a weapon but you're not
1: going you're back to be that, going that at weapon.
3: I just yeah, use I the one I'm that not, has I'm the, not the really best stats.
1: Weapons. Well, you can if you want to unlock the ability. That there's a little meter that builds up. Um, and and those are you, you know it's like yeah the first cloud sword has like the pressured like stagger you know something. thing. But then you'll want to use a different weapon but you'll want that pressured stab so you should you
3: know yeah and i whatever. just go up whatever but, numbers up that's it with the oh, i might just throw the other thing away like if well the we're telling the you weapons, not to do the that
2: weapons are a little different like what they're not traditional rpg right like in the sense of like oh this this hits five points harder i should equip this one no, no, it, no. yeah I they're mean, not, they usually, usually
1: just like magic's better damage right. physical damage yeah. is better they but don't you should
2: hang on to every weapon you get through the course of the game you should not yeah they make
3: you they don't let you sell
2: it okay that's what i thought oh
0: really are you sure it's not just the butcher sword that you're trying to sell I would think think you'd be able to sell other weapons. I haven't tried yet. Maybe it's just the Buster Mm -hmm. Sword they won't let you sell. I don't...
3: I don't think think you can sell weapons. I think you can sell, sell like, the bangles and stuff. But even then, you shouldn't sell those because sometimes you can unlock upgrading them. Uh And then you need the thing to upgrade it. So it's like... Basically, just don't sell anything. Don't
2: sell anything. Smart. I
3: wouldn't say don't sell anything, but don't sell the (laughs) game. But my uh, big, like, tip things for this game, which I kind of wish the game just did this naturally but i get they maybe didn't want to feel restrictive um is to just beeline until you get the rideable chocobos which isn't that far but i was like yeah. walking around the field yeah, like oh, an idiot, yeah. like just hanging out you know because For, it's like, also
0: and like it's tempting to be like oh there's a tower i'm gonna go to. it's like no yeah. just get the chocobos first because then you'll talk to chadley then you can unlock the towers and that's what you'll need yes
3: yep, yep. basically yeah chocobos, chadley and then when you get to the <laughs> second region um, do the Chocobo side quest and finish it because that's how you can fast travel back which I didn't unlock for another like 10 hours so then I couldn't go back <laughs> oh, um, boy. also as soon as you can do the battle simulator character tutorials I didn't do those for like 10 hours into the game they like teach you how to like use the characters better yeah. and that's how I learned how to play with Red even though I'm not good at it so I don't do it if but, we
0: kind yeah. of remember how to play remake should I be doing those I
2: only did one and was like meh do I need to do all I, these I am like, doing just to me. do it I, it oh, wow. helped me tremendously. I, yeah. I I think it's and you get H and you get like yeah, level up too. rewards and stuff. There like, was so also material, it's yeah. like
1: you know you you can do the one for red because you couldn't play him. In yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, should,
1: yeah, yeah. That's probably right. Yeah. I think they're still I worth all, doing. Yeah. Like
3: it definitely is a game that it, if you played remake, especially if you played it. Honestly, I played it when it came out, and I still retained all the information, and I never touched the DLC. Like it's very easy to pick up and get into. It's just. I'm just a little surprised that, like, that's not more gestured at. Because I'm like, oh, I would have done these Mm. when they, like, more mattered. But instead I played for, like, 10 hours on my own. They're like... You only have two abilities with Cloud, so we're just talking about these two. I'm like, oh, I got like 13 abilities with Cloud, but I guess. <laughs> you oh just, well, like you I should, you so should have listened. Like you
0: should have listened to Chadley more. He would tell you everything you didn't know, but you were tuning him out, and you tune hey, out. I Chadley didn't learn how to mute detriment. him until
3: like 26 hours in. <laughs> yeah, I'm one hour, Chadley for free, that. free. yeah, we're, and it's great.
0: Whereas my, I boost back. her audio up because I want to hear more from her overall. Oh to this whole thing.
3: yeah, no, Chadley's friend. Like, what is Oh yeah, the sister. The, will
1: uh, they, won't they? <laughs> Please, <laughs> will not Hopefully. Is it a sister? No, no, no.
2: We
3: Can can't you have a get into if you're my. Is that offensive
1: she, to she's an AI. She's an I, AI. Thought, I
2: thought she literally said sister at some point, but maybe I'm misremembering.
0: Spiritually. Um, oh, the, so the big me. thing, too, with this game is now there's bonds, like a real value to building up bonds with uh, the people in your party. Whereas, you know, you got like an extra little moment depending on who you built up a bond with in remake and then in this one they're very explicit about like basically tifa will remember that like almost to that level of, like and there's also there's a a smiley face above them as they're standing out in the world depending on your relationship with them jacob is that does that build up to interesting things is it just a system for the sake of a system
1: i basically there is there is a a similar thing to yes. what was in remake where you have a scene that's with one person or a different person um, but overall, I did not find it to be particularly okay. impactful, and it's like, as the course of the game goes on, you're just going to raise them with everyone. Like, yep. it's, not, yep. it's not like you're like, am I going to be nice to Yuffie or Barrett? Like, you, you never are asked to kind of make those kind of decisions. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Overall, um, I'm loving it more and more. Uh, I, it's, it's so simplistic, but hey, it's Final Fantasy VII Remake in an open world, everybody. If that sounds good to you, It'll be good to you, and if that sounds lame to you, then you're wrong, and you should throw yourself
2: into a volcano. An open world from like eight
1: I don't years ago. That, yeah. Well, here's the thing,
3: and I know you're joking, but like there are a lot of people still making open world games like that. It's just it's yep. it's it is a fine, it is a serviceable,
0: yeah, open yeah. world, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will I, say,
3: for despite having a lot of checklists, there aren't like a ridiculous amount of things to do per area, but they do seem to take a long time. There's really only like five of one thing three of another two of another but i don't know that's 10 hours somehow like I, which i don't know <laughs> if that's good or bad but it's not like there's a million things to do but i do find it taking me a while to get everything done
1: hmm. uh, here can we can we all take a uh, min max pledge right now Uh-oh. uh yeah
3: maybe uh, this but game only if we going can have, to have a pissy have...
1: corner later <laughs> <laughs> this game is going to have haters and y'all need to be normal about it okay <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah, like
1: like you are not allowed to complain about about the people who have issues with this game. I am talking to Ben Hansen and everyone (laughs) listening in the Final Fantasy audience. Like there there are going to be a lot of criticisms of this game, and most of them I will probably agree with, even though I think I generally like the game like it's it, it is it is. It is a game that deserves to be talked about in its good and bad parts. And yeah. we'll be doing the conversation a disservice if we don't let people talk about the bad parts. Yep. We I, I agree. I think also,
3: door. much like Remake, the first one, this is a game where people are approaching. And this, this is honestly just me. It's like a sub- subtweet to myself. But people are approaching this that don't have that nostalgia. So for me, yep. like, and I get that there's validity on both sides. Like, it's great that we can have, you know, Ben here to be like, oh, this was 10 minutes when I was seven. I don't know how old you are. Right. And now it's like 33. 30- Two minutes, or whatever, I don't know, whatever. Right? For me, that's not growth. any of it. It's just a game. Like it <laughs> is a game. The way, like every other game that came out this year, was a game that I picked up for the first time <laughs> and played as a grown adult who has played a lot of other games. Yep. <laughs> so, and I and think that's also an aspect too. That's I think interesting. And then what's going to be cool about this one? Again, I don't know anything about what's before, what is what's after, and I'm so early that nothing has significant has happened. But what's kind of exciting and unique to remake the franchise is there's almost now going to be a convergence of like me as my only experience. And then Ben having a new experience. that's an old experience, but different. So I think yes. that's kind of a fun, like it's new to everybody. That's in a the way, fun part. But, yep. But nope. ultimately it is newer to people who have not played it and they will see it maybe a little bit less favorably in that sense, because you see it as just a regular game that yeah. doesn't have any of the other stuff.
0: No. And you are talking about the different perspectives on this. I mean, it's fascinating where it's like, yeah, red 13 is my childhood best friend. But my childhood best friend wasn't medium-level interest open-world side quests. You know, so it's like, I I, yeah. I, think the criticism for this game is completely fair. If you say that
2: also, he's Tifa a sucks, a cat.
0: they make that reference. It, 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 who knows what he is, Janet? He's, he he's, he's a, a little bit of everything. But just...
1: Look, if you love people saying, Hey, can your dog come in with you? And Red Thirteen growling, you're gonna love this yeah, game. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and I do, I do love that. Um, we should talk about in terms of fair to criticize, there's a patch going out before the game comes out. Um, but mm. I thought, well, there's no way I'm not running this in performance mode. And then I just bumped it up to sixteen and was like, Woof, all right, this oh, resolution's yeah. looking the- real low. Um, and so I went back to fidelity and I never thought I would do that. And maybe the patch is fixing it, but I'm curious if y'all have t- thoughts on just like the technical aspects here. Oh, you said performance looked bad. Ugly. Performance looked bad. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, I yeah. guess I just, I, d- I didn't even like compare. I just like, before I even started the game, I went to performance mode. Oh yeah. Just I just, like, I go compare.
3: to the other one. I dare you. Yeah. No, I, I <laughs> agree. Do you dare me? <laughs> it's like yeah, do cu- it. Do it and tell me that it's not better. <laughs> I'm just curious. Like maybe you're like, it is all just, right. cut
1: cutscenes don't <laughs> run in performance mode. Like yeah. when you're watching the cutscenes, they're good. And I find this combat too chaotic to not play in 60. Mm-hmm. I like so I, I did play it with performance the whole time. I do think that the characters look a little weird, you know, like from a distance or whatever. But like, it's just like this is an action game for me and I need to play those yeah. at a high frame rate. Sure. Yeah, totally I'm not here. digital
3: Foundry, which I think people knew that. A long time ago, You're not. <laughs> but You're when I when I changed it to um, <laughs> when I because re- and my I thought my console was de- default to performance, but whatever it was on fidelity mode, and when I changed it, everything in the background looked really blurry to me, and I'm like, that looks weird. So I I have it just on fidelity um, now, and. While the combat is a huge, this is a very combat game and combat's the number one thing I like about this game, I think it's because like I play this game in slow motion and no one else does. I've seen a players, <laughs> no. play it and they play a different game than me. I'm, I'm like in the command menu, everything's moving in slow motion. I'm, re- I'm reading that menu like it's the first thing I've ever read in my life. Like, <laughs> and I also, another weird thing about how I play, I never command characters. I switch to them when I do anything with them. Yeah. I like don't command them to do no, anything. No, I don't either. So it's just, I basically just move in slow, that's why I'm 27 hours into the game, I've done three battles, I move in <laughs> slow motion, like, this is a turn-based game Yep. For me, even though I don't have an intern-based and, mode. And, I, and this is
1: interesting because it's like, I play this game in more or less real time. Like, oh, I, no, I assign everyone, like, a character shortcut. Like, Tifa is, like, one of the best-feeling action game characters yes. around. And when you put all of her stuff just on the shortcuts and you don't need to stop the game at all, it, like, it feels like you're playing a fighting game. It rules. Oh,
2: <laughs> lean on, lean on that L1 option. Yeah. That's yeah. So sweet.
1: Uh, well, hey, the game is out February
0: 29th. Believe it or not, I have a lot more to say about it, and that's why we're doing the Deepest Dive, everybody. We're doing a five-part game club discussion to break this game down, to give it the discussion it deserves. Uh, so the way this works is going to be myself, uh, my old friends who... Got into this game back in school with me, so Ronnie and Grant. And then we're going to be joined by uh, Ross, the Star Wars guy fund, who is on the deepest dive for Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis and a bunch of our Max Spoiler stuff. But he's a big RPG guy. I don't know if he's a big seven guy, but he's going to be joining us as well from the Max studio. And the thing is, we are kicking off the deepest dive on Rebirth Uh, sooner than you think. Um, We're starting it before the game comes out. But hear me out um, because the first episode is going to be based on the demo. It's going to be based on Cloud's Past. We're going to be talking all about Cloud's Past, which is the free demo on PS5. There's also the Junon area they added. Um... Yeah, they they call it Junon, right? I don't. I can never figure out the pronunciations of these things. Um, but so. they added that area. We're not covering that in the first episode. We're just talking about clouds past for episode one. And we're going to be collecting your comments on Patreon on February 25th. So if you support Minmax at any tier, even that two dollar tier on Patreon, you're not only supporting an unreasonably long discussion about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, um, but you can submit comments for us to read, sharing your thoughts on Cloud's past based on the demo, and we're going to be collecting those again on February 25th. Um, And then, the following week, we're going to be covering everything in the game including the rest of Chapter 1. We're going to be covering everything else in the game up through Chapter 4, and we'll be collecting those comments on Sunday, March 3rd. And then we're going to be rolling uh, throughout March and into the first week of April. We're taking a break in the middle of March. There's a schedule on our Patreon. But this is a great time to jump in if you want to help celebrate the launch of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and really dive into the weeds on everything here beyond beyond what any spoiler cast could possibly do. This is... This is our main thing, everybody, so thank you for making this funky format possible. Patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. Jump in, submit a comment, and uh, help contribute to the best, most thorough discussion about Rebirth on the internet. Is that it for Rebirth? Have
1: we been birthed? Yeah, there's probably nothing else to say. Oh my
3: god,
0: there's so much to say. (laughs) I think
3: we've said all that needs to be said. (laughs) I'm going
0: to explode talking about this on The Deepest Dive. Uh, All right. Hey, let's move on with the show. Eldering? Shadow of the Earth Tree. The trailer came out, showing off the DLC. Um, Jacob and I did a reaction stream. If you want to see us oogle and ogle a bunch of free it, ra-
1: uh,
0: it was it was positive. Yeah, it's a lot, <laughs> it was of was a lot of like, oh my like,
2: God, what is happening <laughs> with
1: that lion's head? Jesus Christ! Oh, I love <laughs> that, it. That, was... that. That dude who looks like he's pulling his own ribs oh, out of the top of his head. So <laughs> oh. good.
0: I bet it feels really good. To to pull your ribs out the top of your head though it's like cracking your back I think. God. Uh, okay, they released the trailer for the Elden Ring DLC, which is uh, we also just learned is coming June twenty first,
2: twenty twenty four for forty bones, forty dollars, um, Wait, 40- not and not standalone. Which I was like, I was at this point, I was like, there's a lot here, it's 40 bucks, and they're releasing a collector's edition. Is this thing standalone? It's like, no, you still need the base game to access it.
0: Yeah, because you're just going to a new region. Jacob, during the reaction stream, you had a lot of questions about like, what what is this? How is this structured? How's this gonna work? Um, did you did you find the answers you were looking for?
1: I not really. Um I basically here here is my my fear, I guess, is like I really want to play uh this DLC. I love Elden Ring. My first playthrough of Elden Ring was was like 80 hours, you know. And so even if this is like not endgame, even if it's just kind of like middle leveled character, I'm worried about like how much time I will have to spend doing a new playthrough of Elden Ring before I'm even like skilled enough to approach it. Um, But that being said, I am so excited for this thing. I think it is going to be the size of a full game. Yeah. uh, And I can't wait. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Euro. Well, it's already
3: been discussed the size of it, and if you have that offhand, Ben. Yeah,
0: Eurogamer yeah. did an interview, and uh, Miyazaki said that it's yeah, the their biggest expansion ever. He said it's technically over ten new boss fights, eight new weapon categories. Uh, in terms of Eurogamer highlights from this interview, they also said George R. R. Martin was not involved in the creation of this new area, which we'll get into here. Wait, I
1: thought that's not what it said. Or they said they said they're still working from his lore. But they just, oh. like, he gave them a piece of the story that they didn't put in the main game that they're putting here. Oh,
0: interesting. Okay, maybe that bullet point was, was way off then for what I was reading here. Um, and then also a goal is to have it be a little more seamless between the worlds and the dungeons, which I'm really curious hmm. what that's going to actually be like. Um, um,
3: space-wise, IGN also had an interview yeah. where, they, where it was said that it takes the same space as the lands between. Well, that's... Like that area. I mean, no, that's I the
1: entire... It Right? Because the Lands Between is... That's the whole the world. Oh,
3: Limgrave, I think. Yeah, yeah. Sorry,
1: oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. So so they also, in the official
0: which description... Which I don't
3: know what that means. <laughs> I've never played this game. <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of the opening
1: area, but yeah. it's a big area, and then they also said, like, they're making it denser. Where, and Elden Ring feels pretty dang dense, but, like, even yeah. more stuff kind of layered on top of each other.
0: Yeah, so it's you're going to the Land of Shadow, which is a completely new world from Elden Ring, is the way Band Namco puts it. And uh, players can seamlessly travel back and forth between its vast maps, interspersed with diverse situations and meticulous dungeons where menacing enemies roam. Uh, believe it or not, menacing enemies will roam around in this thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so Jacob is probably the biggest Elden Ring fan amongst everybody here. What popped for you in this trailer?
1: I just like, I, From Software's legacy of DLCs for their Souls games is is unimpeachable you know like every almost every souls game the best part of the game is in the dlc dark souls one through three bloodborne uh etc and so like you know usually what it means is like they really get the mechanics they understand the world they're building now they can just kind of go bananas with their world design and and with the bosses and like that's what it looked like here you know honestly it looked like more elden ring uh, but guess what? That came as a ten out of ten. So like, that's that's what makes me excited.
0: Yeah, just the variety of the bosses are like, okay, now here's an even bigger fire giant you're gonna be going up against. Here's a weird skeleton with a spooky little face on like a melting horse. Um, and then <laughs> Kyle, yeah, that freaking lion guy. That design oh, is the most captivating enemy I think I've seen in all of Elden Ring at this point. Just kind of like lion head, but weird slinky cloth like there's so much going on his body you can't understand it was like the
2: clock rotation of the head that just like made me go like oh my god that looks horrifying (laughs) i can't wait to just have an excuse to be back in this creepy place
0: yeah hippo porcupines. All your friends are here. Uh, the Reddit was losing its mind about like, there's a death blight swamp and there's a giant hippo in the death blight swamp. It's everything we've ever wanted. It's just fun to see like that community pop in so much for like lore bits or even like oh the, the crucible night wings. We can finally use the crucible night wings. <laughs> We're screaming about that stuff. It's really f- sweet to see Um, the, how much do you care about the lore of Elden Ring Jacob? Like, do you care about like the context for like how you're getting here and what you're doing in this world?
1: Um, I, no, I care about the, uh, like the, the kind of world building tone. Yeah. I think it's cool that like the, this version of the Erd tree looks like weird and kind of shadowy and they're like big cloths yeah. kind of hanging from it or something. I'm not a, you know, I'll, I'll let body Vidya and those other YouTubers kind of make the lore videos explaining everything. I'm more of kind of like a vibes as story souls guy. But like the, I like how the vibes here are changed from the main map.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so the technical lore here is guided by Empyrean Miquella. Players are beckoned to the Land of Shadow, a place obscured by the Erdtree where the goddess Marika first set foot. In these strange new lands, players discover the dark secrets of the world as they meet others who follow in Miquella's footsteps with, with ulterior motives. Um, I, I love Elden Ring. I also am scared of Elden Ring, and I'm scared of going back to it. If I'm being honest, and so Miyazaki messaging okay. that like the difficulty it's going to be on par with the end game Elden Ring content, which I never even tried to fight Millennia, and so if everything's on her level, there's a part of me that's like, I, I think I've got to bow out for this. I,
1: I, I, I'm scared. <laughs> I, I think. My guess is that's an exaggeration because the uh, Millennia is the hardest boss I've ever fought in any video game, okay. and so if that was, if that was, the 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 general vibe, I think it might be prohibitively difficult. Well, but Jacob,
2: historically, like, and I'm asking you, like, to confirm if this is true. Like, the DLCs for all the Dark Souls and everything, those tend to be like major challenges for the people that have played the rest of the game, right? They're like, you love dark souls. Here's a really hard thing to add to
1: the end. Right? I, I think so. I think the difference is that with Elden rings, open structure, it was able to put more of those super hard bosses in the corner of its world anyway you know it's like millennia is is an optional boss you don't have to fight her in Elden Ring and it's like Elden Ring was a big enough game that it felt like it had two souls DLCs crammed into it already yeah so I I'm I am hoping that it won't be way way harder because I I'm in the same boat as you Ben it's like I don't I don't want to be beaten into the ground. And also the game released two years ago. That's the you big know? thing. Like, that's the huge that's, thing. Yep. I just, I feel like they have to adjust a little for everyone's skills kind of atrophying as yeah. we've taken time away from Elden Ring. But
0: that's something that's only existing here and now. And 10 years down the road, you know, they like having this that's, that is pairing, true. you know, and it's like, it'd be nice to be able to go seamlessly from one to the other. You can't account for, well, people forgot because it was two years ago. Um, but I mean that two years thing you talked about in the reaction video. I mean that is that is a huge amount of time for a team as tight as From Software. Like this, they had time to put a lot of stuff into this DLC. And some people are bristling at the forty dollars price tag. It's like I, I, I would be surprised if people are disappointed by the scope of this thing by the time it comes out. I think this is going to be, this is going to consume the world in June. I mean I think everyone's going to be losing their minds about Elden Ring again. I'm sure yeah. it's going to be on a lot of top tens at the end of the year i mean this just seems primed for conquering the world once again here which is fun to see
2: yeah i mean i'm excited for it but i do i just i hope it's not too brutal i am scared of that that's that's like my my big fear
0: yeah. you should be <laughs> um you know it's not brutal the nintendo direct developer showcase everybody dun, 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 dun. we also did a reaction stream you can check it out on our youtube channel if you want to see all that stuff um no big first party announcements uh, here from Nintendo, but uh, it's a partner showcase, is the way they phrase it specifically, and so it's focusing on third-party stuff in the first half of twenty twenty-four. Uh, Jacob, what uh, what was the biggest win
1: for you? I don't know. I guess just seeing the Microsoft games in general. Like yeah. if I if I had to pick a game, it would probably be Pentiment, which didn't even get its own trailer. Isn't that but weird? Like, I I like I like seeing that those games are coming over there was there was nothing here that was too thrilling for me otherwise but like (laughs) It seemed it seemed like a healthy direct, if that makes sense. I think it was. Things are going well.
0: It's a lot of focus on games with online multiplayer for the Switch, kind of in the tail end of its life, which is interesting to see. Um, Oh, sorry.
1: Star Wars Battlefront 2. Oh, the answer. (laughs) That's it. That's it.
0: The answer was, yeah, Star Wars uh, Battlefront 1 and 2. Uh, They're bundling them up and calling them the Battlefront Classic Edition. It's coming on other systems as well, but it's cool to have Battlefront back 64 player online uh, for playing all this stuff, which is sweet. It's coming up March 14th. So
2: very damn soon. Uh, Kyle, are you a Battlefront guy? Nope. Well, it's not too late. Nobody's perfect. But there, I mean, there was something that I was surprised and excited about. Yeah, uh, which I imagine Ben, you're in the same boat. Which is Epic Mickey. Uh, yeah, that was the biggest one for me. Uh, I actually so is that game I,
3: good? Uh,
2: it's uh, no, I played yeah, Epic Mickey not.
3: two, and it was
2: the power like, of two.
3: I tried it, and it didn't. I didn't like it. No,
2: because my my family went to Disney last year, so I was like sort of disney on the brain and i and i went over to my brother's place and he had epic mickey and i actually grabbed it from him yes with, with fully intending to play it just to like revisit it because i was just in a disney mindset so i was well now i'm just gonna wait for the switch version but like i i was i was i was excited and happy and surprised to see that because like i that's a game that like i've always i've never finished it I've always wanted to like it more than I actually do. And <laughs> I hope that the Switch version brings it up to where I want it to be. You it's know?
0: almost like it's it's not a great game, Janet. Um I only played a couple hours on Wii and I was like, all right, but there's never on been Wii. a game that I mm-hmm. wanted. But there's never been a game that I wanted to like more. Uh, it's, I don't I got, know if
3: I need another Recor though. I don't know. God, <laughs> See, look, it's dangerous. It's
0: a it's a more interesting game than Recor. Um, like I was so compelled by the build up <laughs> to the release of Epic Mickey of Warren Spector talking a big game, but like imagine a Mickey Mouse game, but there's consequences for your actions in the world and like the idea of taking all these rejected walt disney ideas and piecing together into this forgotten world like it's the greatest premise and the greatest
2: pitch uh for somebody
0: also, with my animation like days
3: horror. okay <laughs> the
2: sort of character i don't know, trademark of it all of like Oswald coming back as a result of that game like yes it's sort of history to disney is weirdly important as well which
3: you know, i, I, I well, enjoyed it
2: kind of like canon, canon in, in the sort of of animation history it's a weird thing it's super is weird it
3: a, is it a puzzle platformer or just a platformer <sighs> action a adventure there. platformer maybe
2: the best okay. way to put it it's kind of a confusing it, thing yeah. but more platformer than puzzle i yeah. think i think you're just you happen to be solving some light puzzles okay while let's platform. just call
3: it now when this drops that's what the episode is that week we all just go and just go ham on this epic look i don't want to
2: i don't want to
0: promise anything janet but Depends on when it comes out. They just say 2024. And if there's a gap in our schedule, I think it's a perfect deepest dive candidate because I think it's oh, going to be... Oh
3: my gosh, the deepest dive. That
0: that's scary. I know it's scary, but I, I, I'm I tempted. So it's not just going to be on Switch. Uh, this also releasing on PC and oh, other consoles. Cool. I'm like, I would love to see Epic Mickey running on... Uh, a high-end PC! Let's How long, uncap How long, this long thing. is
3: it? It's not that long, I imagine. I'm uh, it's
0: For everything, it said it was 25 hours. I just looked it up earlier. But that's for yeah, okay. that's for 100%ing it. But it's probably oh one of those God, games 100%, that's... not 100%ing?
3: Why am I even No, no. no. It's
0: longer either. than you think it's going to be. But they said it's a faithful remake here, and
1: I'm so curious about it. Uh, so Epic Mickey rebrushes that whole thing. But uh, Jacob... You, here's the other thing you could do. Just go look at the concept art. That will be more yeah. thrilling than playing the game. So, yeah, yeah but... art is so
0: good. But it's would really it be good. more thrilling than
1: talking about about it
0: Jacob I'll in the best the concept show.
1: art I'll do it the deepest dive on the concept <laughs> art of epic Mickey that
0: sounds great actually <laughs> um, but you you glossed over it briefly Jacob but it does seem like the biggest thing that I know over in the world in the gaming world is sick of talking about this but it is a notable thing we should acknowledge that these Microsoft games are releasing on the Nintendo Switch. Right? That Pentium is coming out here that Grounded from Obsidian, the survival uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids game, that that is going to be releasing uh, on Switch and surprisingly soon it's coming out April 16th. But, yeah, I, it is funny to see this backlash to the hype and hysteria around that Xbox thing where it's like, no, this is... This is still a wild thing that's happening, is having Microsoft release releasing these games on other platforms. I know that you were beaten into the ground by 400 YouTube videos saying it was the end of Xbox overall. But we can talk about this being a strange moment in Microsoft's history and the gaming industry overall. Um, because then also, as Janet uh, mentioned before we started, um, there was also the the quick announcement on Wednesday as well that Hi-Fi Rush, not coming to Switch after all. Um, but it is coming to the PS5. Yeah. I don't think that's surprising.
1: That game couldn't run on Switch. I think... The
3: image was fake. Someone put the Nintendo Switch logo on it. How is it not coming to Switch? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, or maybe... Oh, who could do that? I've yeah. heard so, that maybe... they
3: can't have a, no. a Canva account.
0: <laughs> I heard it was in development for the Switch, and then maybe it wasn't quite technically up to snuff, so maybe it's one of those things that they pivoted. Um, once they realized it technically, it wasn't going to run that well. Um, but uh, it's coming to PS5, yeah, and then Sea of Thieves is coming to PS5 on April 30th as well. Um, which in the little video, it's one of those dorky game history things, but it got me where somebody from Rare pointed out, they're like, yeah, this is notable because it's the first time in our 40-year history that Rare is releasing a game on the PlayStation. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't, <laughs> That wow, is that. such a weird thing to think sure. about. But yeah, that, that's totally true. Um, let's see. Penny's Big Breakaway is probably well, the other uh, biggie here, that platformer from the developers of Sonic Mania uh, and Private Division is publishing it. Um, but that is out now. We'll be talking about it uh, next week on the podcast a little bit more. But that's kind of the 3D platformer that's very cute and colorful and all that stuff. Um, and then, Kyle, did you see this stuff about the Japanese Nintendo Direct?
2: I saw the the one thing. <laughs> one thing. <laughs>
0: and that is, of course, that Endless Ocean, Luminous, is also being released <laughs> in Japan. Oh, I um, no, that's, uh, that was the end of the normal direct is there's, they're making a new endless ocean, which is pretty sweet. But the big thing in the Japanese direct was that mother three is coming to Nintendo switch online, but only yeah, in Japan. What do you think? And you just played I, mother three not too long ago, right Kyle?
2: Yeah. I didn't finish it though. Oh, really? I, I, yeah. I hit kind of a, a, a wall where I, I was struggling. Like I was having a hard time. Um, like, uh, and then I kind of fell off. I, I ended up doing something else, but I played it for a good, like 15 hours or something like yeah.
0: that. Um, so that's the thing is, you know, Jacob and I were talking about in the Reacting stream of like, wh- what, what does this confirm? What do we know now that we didn't know before that Nintendo is willing to release Mother 3 in Japan on Nintendo Switch Online? It's a, it's just coming down to the cost of the localization. And that's what's holding them back because now it's like, well, they're, they're signing off on the content because a lot of people are like, oh, there's some iffy stuff in Mother 3. But if they're releasing in sure. Japan, they must be a-okay with that. So now at this point, it's just... Uh, cost of localization, I suppose, or they don't think there's enough interest, I guess. I mean,
2: that, that fan group localized it and said Nintendo could have it for free. I don't know why <laughs> they don't just grab that up. <laughs>
0: it's such a wild thing. Uh, but that's it. Anything else from the showcase that we missed here? Big partner We're showcase? A super
3: Monkey Ball after a lot of years of. No one really asking, I think, for another Super Monkey Ball. <laughs> well, so no, there, was, there was
0: another one that came out was it two years ago, three years What's ago? That was well, like, like ports, a remake, right? That, that was, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. I guess that's there's true. Like a port situation. Yep.
3: I do like it at the arcade. The port was ro- was felt very old, so mm. I don't know if this one would maybe have that fun that I do remember experiencing with Super Monkey Ball. But it's just kind of funny to see. I feel like it fuels the never say never delusion yes. that so many of us have, and I'm like. Don't go bringing out this old stuff because, like, I just feel like you're here to mess with my head. You know what I mean? Like, why yep. are you? Yep. Why, yep. why are you doing? Why are you giving me the never say never? I hear you. Of, of this IP. Uh,
2: speaking uh, of. Uh, oh, I was. I'm happy to have Blast Core on my Switch. Yeah. I have a lot of affection for that game. Um, I, yeah. I, I, and Killer Instinct. Th- that's fun. I, I like mean, seeing those rare games. That was quietly another,
0: fun. like, interesting detail the partnership and the communication that nintendo and microsoft have been having it is now all these rare games are coming to nintendo switch online at the same time that all these other microsoft properties are releasing uh on switch it's the
2: day the day that 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 podcast happened that microsoft podcast yeah one of the things that was trending on twitter later that day was rare replay mm. and i was like why is rare replay trending and it was because people were making demands for it to come to switch like the whole package. And so when the Rare logo started spinning on screen, I was like, man, I can't believe they got Rare Replay for Switch. <laughs> After all that, how did they know that was going to happen? And then I was like, oh, it's just these five games, which is still great. It's uh, yeah. still very cool. But I, I, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be Rare Replay fully. Yeah. I, uh, I was
0: really excited. Speaking of Blast from the Past, a new World of Goo 2 trailer. Uh, very important uh, indie game for me. Um, and it's going to be exclusive to the Switch uh, they announced here. And it's coming out May 23rd. And also, the Switch version has four-player co-op, um, which is weird that that wouldn't be on the PC version. But still, super <laughs> excited about well, that thing when it comes out.
1: What do you mean? If, if it's exclusive?
0: It, they said it's a console exclusive on the Switch. Oh, okay.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I assume it's. We, need, we need to nail down these terms. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're what, trying to. When people were talking about Xbox exclusives, I'm like, Xbox hasn't had an exclusive in in years. I've never owned an Xbox, and I play all those
0: games. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird time we're in for the industry here overall. But hey, you guys want to get weirder with this uh, here industry? <laughs> yeah, Can't wait. The only way it can get any weirder is if Kyle claps out of here. I'm leaving.
2: Kyle, but, you're getting normal. <laughs> when my hands come together it's gonna get weird so get ready
3: Hey, that bye
2: whoa <laughs>
4: was, that, was that crazy enough Did welcome we live to up the so-
2: mad house which way's up we
0: got jeff marquette on the podcast that's me we got leo vader joining the show <laughs> I'm not well. Boy, if you ask me, we got a couple of jokers on our hands here. Just like the game Bellatro. The hot wow. new poker roguelike game that transition. people can't stop raving about. Bellatro. Um, I heard Jan on Giant Bomb talking about it a couple weeks ago when the demo was out for Steam Next Fest. And I was like, yeah, I'll give this poker-themed roguelike card build deck-building game a try. And I bounced off it. A little bit and then it Mm. seems like it released and now everyone who's playing it is just consumed (laughs) by this game so okay uh jeff i'm gonna you streamed it you've been playing a lot beyond that
4: yeah i played like 15 hours yes i've i've been up until four in the morning every night since i streamed it and i'm I'm dying on the inside. Yes, because that's what we like I, to I hear. I can't do it anymore. It's running me ragged, I don't want to play anything else. Yes, good yes. game alert.
1: Uh, Jacob Geller, you're also playing Bellatro? I I played it for the first time yesterday, and yet I dreamed about it last night. <laughs> <laughs> like I had an actual dream where I was playing Bellatro. <laughs> uh,
0: and Leo Vader, um, do you have a tattoo of Bellatro yet? Uh, not yet i really i really do love it it's a i honestly it feels like this year's vampire survivors to me in a way oh yes indie yes.
1: simple kind of no-brainer but universally appealing and understatedly stylish i don't know yeah it's a big brainer because uh i don't know how to play poker <laughs> Ooh, okay that's a lot jenna have you played belatra have you checked it out
3: no no i'm gonna check it out tomorrow i okay. also don't know how to play poker so my plan is to learn poker today and then play the game tomorrow <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, you're going to be set. I am curious, Jacob, because it's like, oh, my wife doesn't know how to play poker, but I think she would like this game, too. Like, if you don't know poker, how approachable is a poker roguelike?
1: No, it. I, the headline is it's fine. Like, right. the only thing that you need to know about poker is, like, what what the hands are, and you learn it very quickly of just, like, okay, that's what a full house means. That's what a flush means. That's what a straight means. Like, yeah. that. that's it. And then there is more technically it's like okay how many cards do i have left in my deck do i you know is it likely to give like you can count cards if you want but you really don't have to on the like intro level and it's just like for me who's still playing at like level one of this game i feel great and i don't really like any card games
4: weird and they have your little deck in the bottom that you can peek at at any time and they have a really good breakdown showing you like every single card which ones you've already had out it breaks it down like by individual type of card like how many kings you have left how many jacks like all of that is very condensed yeah um and right there yeah it's really the like the the biggest poker thing about it is just the theming of it which is just charming because it's like everything about it has some kind of poker theme to it you're you're playing blinds and antes and all of those kind of things but really it's just like a set collection game and you're just And, and they chose like the oldest and most, you know, well-proven type of set collection game where you're, you're, you have these like conflicting things that you can go for at any given time. And that gives you some interesting choices, but they're very easy to kind of internalize of what those are of like, well, am I going to go for, you know, a couple different pairs of things? And that kind of blocks out me going for flushes, but I could get a straight on it if I'm lucky. And, and from that from like just that base, everything else is like kind of crazy roguelike deck building stuff that that is super fun and super compelling. Like you're the like the core game of it, like like Jacob said, once you learn the hands, like that's as much poker uh, that goes into it. And from there it's just like I want to collect these jokers that give that give like game-breaking powers, and I just want to find a good combination of them that will just boost my scores each hand into the stratosphere. It
1: definitely does. It like deck building knowledge helps, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I feel better at this game because I've played other deck builders way more so than having played poker.
0: Right. I I also think it's, it is a good first one in that respect though, too, because it just, the way it translates is so, so smart. The cards have power based on their number. A two is worth two chips. A 10 is worth 10 face cards are worth 10. And it's you end up very naturally going like well i have this opportunity to remove cards from my deck why would i want to do that maybe i remove all the twos and then i only have higher scoring cards or maybe if i'm trying to get flushes maybe i change some of my diamonds to spades and focus on having as many spades as possible like that kind of
1: deck management feels really natural i think even maybe from a beginner's perspective but of course i'm really smart and not a beginner right and you get into these incredibly like It's great how quickly things get weird. Where, like, yesterday I had a run where I changed... I I probably had, like, 45% of my deck was diamonds. And then I had, like, six queens. Because you could just, like, keep, like, duplicating your queens. And so, like, every hand that I got was, like a diamond flush with like three queens in it which is just like you know it you don't have to stick too closely to the rules of an actual card game which is great you know it's like you you get to kind of break cards which is a weird and fun concept yeah, yeah you end up
0: routinely pretty- getting these absurd casino royale style poker hands full houses aces
2: full of kings all the time
4: yeah or or and and sometimes you'll you'll have runs where it's like I could make a straight flush, but I'm going to discard these cards and I'm going to play two pair because I've boosted the base pay for a two pair like twice as high as a straight flush would be. And and I'm just going to make pairs for the rest of this run uh, and it's going to work. I, I feel like the like the biggest takeaway and the biggest encapsulation that I can give for this game is that in most roguelike games and most deck building games, it feels like you are constantly trying to stay with the progression of a run. And like you're trying you're trying to catch up to it. And if you're lucky you can you can stay, you know, just above it and you get to the end and you win it. And then like and then every now and then you will have a build that just like completely meshes and obliterates everything and you're like one shotting bosses and it's very satisfying. And like Bellatro is, I think, focused on that. Like you are either going to flame out spectacularly in the first couple anties Or you are going to put something together that you will ride to the end, and you'll be getting like the you you. In order to win a run, you have to play eight antis, which is in each. There's a couple rounds in each ante. You don't have to worry about that, but like it's it's a it's a shorter amount, and the and the end goal of the last of the last opponent, the boss blind that you battle, is you have to get a hundred thousand chips, and that's that's like pretty consistent throughout it. And you'll have runs. I've had runs where like. I got a million chips in one hand. Like what like, once once you get a combination that works, it's just like, okay, next next round, completely obliterated. Get some more stuff, upgrade some more stuff. I don't even need to at this point, but it's like it is so big It's built on that satisfaction and like all of the sound effects, all of the animations, the way that they convey to you, like what's popping off and what's giving you bonuses, like like they have put so much effort into that. And like there's almost an ASMR quality to it of just like I love just submitting a hand and watching everything pop up and all the numbers go up and just like wrecking that cycle. Yeah, I mean You can turn is, the
0: game speed way up, but I have it at like medium because I want to mm-hmm. feel it popping off, so I don't want to just blow past doing a great job, you know? Yeah, it's an incredible testament to just the power of a game of like, okay, it's ultimately pokers on it or you know, cards on a table in a very poker-like fashion, but just the presentation style, uh, it's a little inscription-esque in that like just mm-hmm. a couple of touches more than I could possibly count, um, are just pushing it to this level to make it so sticky and so appealing. Just like having those little animations, having the sound effects, uh, having like the slight CRT filter over everything. It's just like, it's a masterclass in, in making cards on a table seem very compelling visually.
1: Now there's a so like the the way you score points is like you have an amount of chips that a hand is worth and then you have a multiplier and each of those things can be like adjusted up by different things you have and in the corner you just see like okay this one's worth 150 chips times 20 and then it keeps going up it's like no this one's worth 300 chips times 43 and like it keeps going up and at a certain point If you get enough chips that you would beat the enemy in a single hand, or it's like you get five hands, but if you just do it in one, it, like, catches on fire, and you just know, like, (laughs) oh, man, that thing is screwed. Like, my invisible enemy that I'm fighting didn't stand a chance. (laughs) You you don't
4: even know what the result is yet, but once it catches on fire, you're like, oh, this is going to be big, and then you just keep watching those numbers race up, and then, it you know, it finally gives you the big splash. Yeah, it's it is amazingly satisfying and it's and I feel at, at least like on the normal difficulty level because they do have higher difficulties that you can go into but it feels tuned for you to just have a lot of fun break the game in as many ways as possible and they will just keep giving you a drip feed of new jokers new you know different types of ways to play I, I unlocked the challenge mode yesterday and those are all like wildly different and weird and um, yeah there's just a lot of content that they have kind of wrung out of this base idea it is so much more than just like poker roguelike like right they've they really figured out a formula it's like we play a lot of a lot of great games but this is one where i feel like i want to meet the developer and just shake their hand for making this <laughs> because it's like like you you have tapped into something you figured out like a formula that works just so much better than all of the other deck building roguelikes that are out there right now
0: uh, well, good news is he's a Min Max fan. I was emailing right. back and forth. He's a, he's a fan of Trivia Tower. And so it's going to be, Bellatro nice. is the prize for, if you make it to the third floor of Trivia Tower, which is happening on Friday here, February 23rd, if you want to compete, jump in on Patreon. And you can win a, a code for Bellatro. But he's like, oh yeah, I love Trivia Tower. Here you go, there's a bunch of codes. Like, oh great, here you go. So Jeff, um, it's attainable. You can meet this person. I could. Yeah, it's possible. Is it? So it's, if you're a Slay the Spire fan, if you're a monster train fan,
4: it's that wheelhouse ultimately kind of, but like, so I, I enjoy both those. I enjoy monster train more. And it, and it feels like, it feels like the evolution of these games is slay. The spire can be really a run can be really long and it can, and it can feel really grindy and it can kind of beat you down. Yeah. And like monster, monster class or monster train, shorten that up and kind of packed more into each battle. And this one, this one just feels like yeah, like 20 minutes in you've either you're either like going to break this game or or you we're just going to get it out we're going to get you out of here and you can just start a new run and figure out a better combination. It's it feels like like in 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 order to win and in order to get past those blinds like you should just try and figure out something that's going to break it and you have lots of options for how to break it.
1: Yeah. But as a slay the spire fan, uh, yes. you will like it
0: (laughs) it's impossible not to like it Uh, that's sweet I I love I love watching you all light up with it and it's one that I need to sink more time into I've never really gotten to deck building outside of Queen's Blood of course Uh, and so I'm curious to see if like this one is going to break through for me in the way that it clearly has for seemingly everybody else on planet Earth who has tried playing Bellatro great Steam Deck game
4: yeah yeah for sure um, it's, it, it's also people pointed out in the chat too. It's 60 megabytes. Like, yes, it is such no, 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 a, no, no, absurd. So, possibly small. <laughs> yes. They, they've been, they've been doing regular updates to it. And it's like the, the update is like 11 kilobytes. That's so fun. Like, this does not happen. Any, how, how did you pack so much into such a small package yeah
1: i uh, got uh i had an iron lung remember that game iron lung the horror game yeah Uh, i got an update the other day that was like nine bytes and i was like (laughs) what does that mean is that just like seven zeros like how is that just like a text plug for the
0: movie coming out that logan paul is directing or some nonsense um sj man watching us live at the backstage past year says this might be their favorite game of the year i managed a deck that ended up with 17 aces in it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, is just, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is absurd.
1: Awesome.
0: Uh, but Bellatro it's out on PlayStation and Switch and PC at this point. If you want to check it out, it's B A L A T R O. There's a name in the description name. with the timestamp. Does it I'm have wondering?
1: Because
4: I find it a little unmemorable for how much I like. The oh, game. I've yes. I've forgotten it many times. I've been walking around going, I love I, whatever that. That's Balastro, the biggest problem with the what, game. Yeah,
1: is I I can't ever remember the name
0: um well in it in ancient Rome, bellatra was a professional jester or buffoon okay so we're all fools here and it does make perfect sense um, you should call it poker extreme <laughs> good poker um it's telling how compelling Bellatro is because uh jacob and leo you did a helldivers two stream and then as far as i can tell you played for like an hour and then you said let's just go back and Dan Riker and Jacob can watch Leo Vader, Vader play Bellatrio and it'll be more compelling in some ways. Not to take away anything from Helldivers 2, but it's that just... Was
1: mostly motivated by Leo, I'd say. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Once I saw it as a possibility, I couldn't stop thinking about it,
2: you know? It's one of those.
0: Because <laughs> we started playing it while we were like, we're gonna go live now, let's just do it while we wait to, in the queue to get into Helldivers 2, which is still remarkably a daily affair. I really expected that to get sorted out a week or so ago at this point. It's yeah. Still every time. Yeah, it is rough. So, Hell Evers 2, every week, the player count rises. It's now, like, the most played game on Steam. It's just kicking all sorts of butt. But but even the developers had a message of, like, you can wait a bit before you jump in, everybody. Like, please, our servers are on fire. And so you just had to sit there and wait for, what, 30 minutes, 40 minutes before you three were
1: able to jump in? We actually, we had to wait until I had a friend who is not on the stream get in, and then I could join on his game leave his game, and then invite Leo and Dan.
4: Oh my god. But it was like
1: we had to, like, daisy-chain our way
4: (laughs) out of being stuck in the server loading screen. Like getting into a club, you know, like the one person. Yeah, I was like, I know him, I know him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But are you guys still loving Hellarvers
0: too? Where's everybody at with it these days? Janet, I know you're playing a lot of it too, right?
3: Yeah, like, when I can. Again, it's one of those things where, like, the servers have been fairly rough, so I don't know, I've taken my foot off the gas a little bit, but I do want to go back and keep kind of grinding away at it. I think it's super fun. Um It's, I think what's nice is like, it's a little different each time, which that's technically true of any kind of like live service okay, you don't know like the match and like what kind of variables will get introduced, but it still feels fresh and it's still great at making those, I think down to the wire exciting moments Um where it's like, how far do I want to push my team or do I want to just like hit the extraction right away? I'm really enjoying those moments of tension, but yeah, the, it's a tough spot to be in where it's like so loved and the love is crushing it into dust.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Story of our lives. Uh yeah, the uh that drop music, it it gets me every time. It it sounds a little bit like the Operation Save Earth song from Final Fantasy VII Remake, but in sort of just getting you in the mood,
1: like hearing that triumphant music when you're dropping it the, is always so good. The extraction music sounds exactly like the Sony Spider-Man theme. And I think that every time. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> Exciting chords. Hey, they know what they're doing. It's the best. We were talking about, like, why why this game yes. last night. Was right? just kind of like, there have been a lot of multiplayer co-op shooters. Like, what what is it? And my theory is, like, it's it's just dumb enough, you know, that, like, it is... My, my Hangout game with my friends forever has been Fortnite because you really don't need to talk about Fortnite while you're playing it. You can just kind of have it going in the background. And, like, this is more involved than Fortnite, but you can do missions and just kind of chat, and you don't constantly need to be, like, talking about positioning or what your strategy is, at least on the lower difficulty levels. And so it, like... It is just riding the line between like interesting strategic mechanics game and like hangout game, which yep. is I think what we all want.
0: But then at the same time, silly stuff will happen on a regular basis, and you'll screw each other over, and yes. like you, something will make you laugh on a regular basis while playing Helldivers too. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for for when I can get in easily every time I, yeah. I want to play, just for for a quick drop in, drop out. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm curious how it'll, how the longevity will be. I think it part of the appeal for sure is that it's so easy to drop into. There's no campaign to be left behind from your friends on. Obviously, no like levels or loot really. Your progression is kind of very solitary. You're on your own little path. Yeah, and anybody can help out anybody. Yeah, hell divers too. It's cool to see a success like this. Uh, hey y'all, what's with 2024? It, chill. They, chill out. There's so many games. It's February, please. Uh hey, Jeff, do you know how this whole thing operates?
4: Jokers. Jokers. Just Bunch as of jokers. many jokers as you can. You can cram in
0: there. Midnight Tokers can be found at patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. You find the tier that is right for you, and that is what is right for us. Don't push yourself past your limit. Find something that's sustainable, because that's what keeps minmax as an outlet sustainable, and we can plan better when people aren't pushing their limits. So find a tier that's right for you, the $2 tier, $5 tier. That's dandy for us. And... Thank you so much to some of our bigger supporters. If you don't know who you are, I'll tell you. Thank you to folks like Factor. Oh, man, Factor. These are the two-minute meals, microwavable, you know, just the best. True, true story. Was that, Leo? They're quibbies, quick bites. <laughs> factor the quibby of meals. They meal. didn't say we can't mention quibby, right? They didn't it's actually in big bold font. Oh, Most goodness. ad copy does say, for the love of God, don't mention quibby. Why does every podcaster keep making <laughs> jokes about quibby? <laughs> um, but factor, I, I swear to God, we had a like a stressful week a couple weeks ago with the baby and schedules and all this stuff in the house. Uh, and my wife's like, I cannot plan dinner. My head's going to explode. And then literally. At that moment, not at that moment, but that same day, then knock on the door. Big box of Factor dropped off at the front. Factor Man! Truly, and we said, thank you, Factor Man, and we gave him a big smooch on either cheek as he walked away. He kind of floated away like a little angel back up to the heavens. Because having a big box of just, here's a bunch of great meals, two minutes in the microwave, you're good to go. Especially for new parents out there. Unbelievably helpful. Uh, it's really delightful. And this time they came with a bunch of protein shakes and like other little quick little drinks and stuff like that. Uh, Factors, delicious, ready to eat meals uh, make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre prepared, chef crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your freaking door. They had some chorizo chili out of this world, some roasted garlic chicken. Again, mm-hmm. how good can a meal be, Jeff, when you might be asking, that's microwavable for two minutes? Try factor, and I dare you not to swallow it and enjoy it. You'll <laughs> chew this fo- food with glee. I'll tell you that much. And you can head to factormeals.com slash minmax50 and use code minmax50 to get 50% off. That's code minmax50 at Factor Meals. Thank you, Factor Meals. Also, thank you to our dear friends at iem 8 bit They want everybody to know about Day of the Devs, their big event where they bring a bunch of indie game developers together and then also let the public come in and play these games. Previously, it was is a gross for-profit company. Now, Day of the Devs, non-profit, which means it's A-OK with us. It is now officially a 501c3, but the twist is they need your help to keep this event rolling. So you can go to daythedevs.com and you can chip in. Uh, they have a couple different donation options, including a donation for a digital bundle of over 30 games. Many were featured at uh, Day of the Devs before, including Psychonauts 2 and a ton more like that. And then there's also a physical goodies bundle where you can get a Day of the Devs mug, socks, a keychain, all that fun stuff. So if you want to help support uh, indie developers and the ability for them to show off their games at a very cool event that Janet and Haley and I will be going to uh, in March here at GDC, um, then you can go to dayofthedevs.com. And also, you can help support i8bit because they're big supporters of ours. If you go to iMateBit.com, check out their wonderful online store. There's a ton of great stuff in there, including... What is this? The Psychonauts 2 vinyl soundtrack. Uh, the vinyl soundtrack for Psychonauts 2, a great soundtrack. And help support IM8Bit because IM8Bit supports MinMax in a big way by shipping out a prize each and every week to whoever submits the best question over there on Patreon. So whoever wins this week wins the Psychonauts 2 vinyl soundtrack from IM8Bit's wonderful online store. I know that's got cool cover art guaranteed uh so we're playing for keeps here everybody you ready for this to get very serious and gross okay okay this is a gross it's gonna be gross because it's gonna be such an intense competition to see who's actually gonna win this thing so i'm not here (laughs) to
4: make friends (laughs) that's
0: right because jeff submitted a bunch of questions of his own so get ready for this that's right uh ramen taco ramen tacos a better way to pronounce that says hey everybody uh two years ago you had jacob kyle and cereal on the min max show I'm so sorry to talk about their experience with Elden Ring before it came out during that conversation. All three of them mentioned that they don't think Elden Ring would be the same game would be the game to inspire new from software fans because it still feels like Dark Souls and doesn't really revolutionize the gameplay. Ben did mention that the open world exploration might bring in more people, which Jacob agreed to. Way to go, Jacob. We did it. Um and everyone was very handsome and smart. No, Elden Ring ended up being From's biggest game. Yeah, we know. With over 20 million sold. <laughs> I'm curious what your all's thoughts are 2 years later uh with the announcement of the DLC. Was it the open world exploration that brought in that whole new audience after all? It's a great question.
1: Yeah. I think um as as one of the people who made that uh Foolish claim on the original Elden Ring podcast. I do think that uh, we can't discount the amount of both grassroots hype and marketing money that went into Elden Ring. I cannot remember. A game where people were like I mean it truly Hollow Knight Silksong is maybe the only other one that kind of comes close to like every time there is any gaming event people were beating down the doors saying please show us Elden Ring in a way that that from had never really had before even with you know Dark Souls 3 and their other big ones and I also think they spent a lot of money marketing that game in a way that maybe they hadn't and so like I think the open world is great. I do think, in retrospect, it probably makes it accommodating for new players. But, like, I think that would have been FromSoft's biggest game, even if it was not an open world game, just because the, like, cultural consensus on that developer had kind of reached such a fevered pitch. How, do we, how much do we think the
0: George R.R. R. Martin connection had to do with it? That being such a huge, unspeakably huge show, Game of Thrones. 275,000 sales.
1: Yeah, okay. I don't, I, 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 don't think it was moving the needle. Maybe, maybe for like building initial hype,
0: or like it was probably yeah. in commercials. You have to go back and look at the commercials for Elden Ring. Like, how much did they tout that? I think a
4: decent amount, but it, it's, it's always hard to, to try and predict, uh, like what brings in people who don't play as many games as us. And like, I could see the George R. R. Martin thing working. I think, I think it being open world did get it in other circles of like. You know, every yep. here are the here are the top ten open world games coming this year that um probably did. But but like Jacob said, I think like the love for from software had been cooking for many years. And when you come out when you can come out and say, This is our biggest game ever with, you know, the best production values and now we have George R. R. Martin, like all of that is was gonna build hype regardless of, you know, like the actual open world mechanics that yeah. went into
1: yeah, it. It's- it's like, Infinite Wealth is RGG's fastest-selling game ever. That game is not radically different gameplay-wise from any of the other Yakuza's, but I do think it had kind of a bigger push and everyone got there. I realize there are different scales, but...
0: Yeah, no, in the open-world front, though, I mean, I, yes, people love buying open-world games. They're very popular, and so that's a factor. But I think also it just had a side effect of exploration... And because of that, everybody feeling like they kind of owned their time in the lands between a little bit more um, and their experience in Elden Ring where it felt like you were more empowered. Be like, oh, look what I found. I'm sharing what I found on TikTok. You'll never believe there's this secret over here. And so because of the open world, I think it led to more excitement amongst the player base, which then let it spread more than the bullet point in the marketing of it's an open world. It's like
1: Far Cry now, you know. Maybe. but it's like. The Dark Souls games had a lot of secrets. Like, I I really think there are most things that you could say about the Elden Ring player base. You could have found that in the discussions about Dark Souls 3 or Sekiro.
0: But nowhere near the the level. I mean, like you say, it has a lot of secrets, Dark Souls 3. But as somebody who's not a Dark Souls 3 expert, it seems like Elden Ring is 40 times that amount. I mean, it seems
1: incomparable. Yeah, but you don't know that until you buy it. Like, it's like, I, I just think that, like, people people had already bought the game at the point where they were discovering all those crazy secrets and, and establishing ownership over their own story. But I think
0: the reason that it would spread is people talking about, like, what they're discovering in their game and the different paths and stuff. And I think also the big thing, too, that we shouldn't rule out is, yeah, you talk about, you know, the Dark Souls game were, we're plenty popular. Um, but the fact that this was just such an easy entry point that it wasn't called Dark Souls 4, you know, yeah. and Sekiro... Yeah, also was an opportunity for that, but I think the combination of like the freedom and the easy entry point, the freedom in game design and the easier entry point of Elden Ring makes it more approachable than the new IP of Sekiro, where it's like, okay, it's going to be tough and it's a little bit more linear and less of an RPG, you know? There you go. And that's what you need to be successful, Ramen Taco. Um, Adam Brunkart writes in, and they say, what are some of your favorite games that you discovered completely on a whim with no prior knowledge of the game or franchise? For me, many years back, I never heard of the original God of War, but I saw a big hulking guy with bloodied swords on the cover, and I thought that was enough for me. <laughs> Hell, yes. Uh, yeah, stuff you found on a whim. What sends out for y'all?
3: Um, Blur. I was in a GameStop in co- like in college, and I'm like, I need a multiplayer game that I can play on my PS3 that I have in my dorm that has like good party game energy, and I saw Blur. I'm like, this looks like what i'm looking for i pulled up my phone pulled up the ign review they were like yeah it's it's fine like it's kind of basic and i'm like perfect this is exactly (laughs) this is actually exactly what i was looking for uh and i love that game i think it's super fun yep um another like in-store moment i had was uh retro game shopping i was looking at like what they had for i think it's ps i think it's psp uh loco roco i'm like this looks cute look at the back of the box like that seems fun to me it was six dollars so i'm like even if it sucks like who cares like whatever it's it's something to have you can always i don't know pawn it off somewhere else love that game it's awesome actually i started with loco roco 2 by accident and that's how i ended up owning two copies of it buying it again being like oh i love the first one and it's like no no you love the second one you never (laughs) played the first one yeah so those are my two that come to mind
0: yeah this is a tricky one i'm trying to think like I hadn't played the old Mega Man games before I played Mega Man Legends. And I just remember seeing the box art for Mega Man Legends. And it was probably as simple as like, well, I like the Pokemon TV show. And this character's eyes <laughs> look like the anime eyes from the Pokemon TV show. <laughs> so let me jump into this. But then again, I did love the Mega Man TV show, that animated show growing up. So maybe that doesn't count. but Because I was already predispos- predisposo- predisposed mm-hmm. to loving predispos- Mega Man and all that he stands for.
1: I'm too much of a nerd to have ever... Like, I had a subscription to Game Informer before I had a console. Like, I... Games were expensive enough, and I was a nerd enough that, like, I never bought a game without reading about it. It was was never something that I did on a whim.
0: (laughs) I can't imagine being uninformed. I get it, I get it. I I always said that to people (laughs) on the playground. Oh, it's (laughs) Shadow Gambit, the Cursed Crew. I literally downloaded because I saw it in my epic library I hadn't heard a word about That's it so funny Leo I do have a it's not a big chip on my shoulder it's like a fly if it took a bite out of my shoulder that size of a chip in my shoulder but I was a little bit annoyed because I posted like in the Slack channel where we post game codes and I said hey here's a trailer for shadow gambit the Curse crew we have a code if anybody wants that the reviews are really good and then no one responded to that and then like a couple months later you're like I found this game called shadow gambit and it rules and I haven't heard anything about it and and yeah, I, I'm sure I watched the trailer and immediately banished it from my mind. I, it's, it's, it doesn't it look like the type of game I would play from from gameplay, I don't think. Yeah. It was more vibes of, like, the description. Totally. Uh, apology accepted. Uh, Lanthian wrote in. They say, a friend and I recently played through Dead Space Extraction. Despite positive reviews, we both found it boring and kept questioning who this game was made for. This is the Dead Space spinoff on the Wii. Yeah. Um, Mm. My question to everybody is, do you think that Dead Space Extraction is at least one person's all-time favorite game? Great question. Great question.
4: Yes. The person yes. who made it, if, if it was the first game that they were, like, the director of, maybe? <laughs>
1: uh, it's actually a really tragic story. Someone played that and loved it, and then they died before they could oh. play another video game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they went to the Dead Space themselves. Their first and last game. <laughs> they were extracted. Uh, absolutely. If you, if you were a kid with a Wii, and you had uh, Wii Sports, and then this is somebody's path through games. They had Wii Sports. It was a good time with their family. Yada yada yada. And then an uncle or something gave him Dead Space Extraction, and that was like the first hardcore serious game that they played because it's we all know Dead Space Extraction hardcore is all hell. It, it would click in that way for somebody, and they would go to their grave in Jacob's case, a very early premature grade, <laughs> arguing that it's the number one game of all time. I think it could happen. Yeah, I, I think at a certain level of exposure, anything is someone's favorite in a really surprising way, in a way that I've had to learn over years and years. Because always I'll see a random person say, this is my favorite thing ever. And I go like, well, if it's somebody's favorite thing ever, that has weight. That means there's like something to this. <laughs> right. And that's not always true. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's, <laughs> kids Sometimes it just are, resonates with people for unusual Reasons. Yep, and certainly I resonate with that. It's no judgment, of course. There we go. Uh, Hauling gas writes in and says, "Hello, Mister Vader and the gang." Uh, Hi, M- Monsieur Leo. Can you please enlighten everyone on why Skull and Bones is this year's most underrated game? You have ninety seconds <laughs> and go. Yes, I was stoked to hear Jeffem has played this as well. Uh, I I think uh, the gameplay. If you're looking for gameplay that's not good, look no further. I really was like, (laughs) uh, you know, it's a fine, fine enough pitch. I like pirate stuff. Of course, the not walking around is like, if you're going to delay the game eight years, let's let's add the walking around part that every player wants to do. But at least maybe the ship combat is like visceral and fun. And it turns out it's exactly like the Black Flag combat, except there's hit markers now. And it just is not enough to make me want to sink time into it. Isn't, it just doesn't I, feel good on the base level. Uh, is there, like, some cool multiplayer stuff, though, that would uh, have some weird elements, like you're engaging with people differently in a very Leo Vader kind of way? Multiple ships fighting multiple other ships all not having fun together. Okay. That's a good <laughs> point.
4: Okay. Like Sea of Thieves, but without the without the fun.
0: Yeah. right. Did, I thought they did add the walking
4: around, around in... They did, oh, okay. and and it sucks. It sucks. Uh-oh. They shouldn't have added it. It made it worse. It <laughs> oh. it, it, it feels like
0: you, you can't do it in a, any way that matters. It's just like Hub Worlds talking to shopkeepers.
4: Yeah, they're they're glorified menus, but now you have to go to an island and land on it and walk to the person to get into their menu. Okay
1: does it's, the uh, does healthy. the production
4: value feel high? Does it feel like expensive?
3: No. Oh, the quadruple A thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. Just just like, where's it? all that
4: money go? I, I saw that article, get, I got triggered by someone writing up that article, and it's just like, just because you spent a quote-unquote quad-A amount making this game, because you spent 11 years first trying to make a game that no one wanted, and then and then you finally like started previewing it, and people were like, we just want another Black Flag, and then you spent another eight years trying to make that game without making that game and making people think that's the game that it is when it finally came out like that doesn't that doesn't boost the production values like when i was playing it i like you make your character and you just feel like you're captain nameless voiceless random ubisoft npc walking around and it's and and but now you're selling it as like you become the ultimate pirate king and, and it's a big open world and you're you're gonna be in, in charge of all the trading and in, in the world and stuff. And then like you go to one of these menu guys and he's like, build me a pickaxe. Go out and get me some stone and wood and build me a pickaxe like a survival game. Yes. Except you're you're just you're getting it from crates in the water because you're on your ship. 90 percent of the time it's like <laughs> what did you do like what what use do i have of a
1: pickaxe dry land doesn't exist yeah the you use up, the you, use of you dock you like, wants,
0: park at the beach and then you do a timed button press to like knock a tree down and get the resources. no
4: really Yeah, he yes. and and the reason you're building a pickaxe is to give the guy a pickaxe so that he can give you a slight butt like your crew will have more stamina if he has a pickaxe to make you something with and it's it's such a bummer. Like I went into it with low expectations because I knew it wasn't going to be the game that I wanted it to be. But I was like, hey, you know what? I'm I'm still excited to see what they actually turn this into after so many years. And it's like, yeah, a thin veneer of what people wanted it to be, without it being that. And it's still it's still the the game that they originally had made to had wanted to make. And it's like, I didn't even find the ship combat as fun. Like like it feels a little more arcadey. And it's just kind of like spam the cannon button while you're like rotating around your ship. It, it's just it's a big bummer.
0: And and it, not to talk about what it isn't, but like it adds so much the threat of doing stuff on foot and Black Flag, like possibly getting boarded and stuff if you're losing a fight and yeah, it turns fights changing like that. It's taking away the prospect of anything interesting happening when you're on foot it just makes it it's like fallout 76 when it didn't have
4: npcs it's like where is the adventure here like what could surprise me yeah i i talked to my wife about it cuz she she saw me playing it and she was big on um assassins creed odyssey like hmm. and she was like she was like, "Is that is that a Ubisoft game?" And I was like, "Yes, it's you know pirate themed or whatever." It's a Ubisoft original, she, my dear. Yeah, and and she she you know like enjoyed all of the ship stuff in Odyssey, and it's and I, it's like yeah, it's like that, but they took out the boarding, which is like the coolest part, and like you don't have like you're not a person in that world going around. That's that's the fun of those, and, and again, that's like. It's a different game from what we wanted it to be, but yeah. but now you're selling, you're trying to sell it as that, and you're trying to convince people, you know, like we added more of those elements, and it's just, it's not, it's not what you wanted.
0: It's so weird to think about Sea of Thieves coming out slowly, building up more and more, and everyone being uh, head over heels for Sea of Thieves. Maybe Sea of Thieves excitement starts to dip a little bit. Then here comes Skull and Bones building up. And then maintaining for years and years and years of saying, we're going to come out. I swear we're going to come out. Finally comes out. seems like no one cared. And now they announced Sea of Thieves coming to PS5. And it's like back to like, you know what? Sea of Thieves on PS5, that sounds pretty good. I'm looking forward to checking out Sea of Thieves. It's just like a weird leapfrog situation. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be... A, a lot of people jump to that from the ways this game lets them down, I think, for sure. Yeah. It, it's There's, like, trading and stuff in the late game of Skull and Bones, you, setting up trade routes and having passive income resources and stuff. Those systems sound kind of interesting, but if, like, yeah, if the base of it isn't there, there's no way I'm yeah. seeing it through to that point. And that's why it's this year's most underrated game, Howling Gas. So That's why it's rated in. so low. <laughs> uh, Brady Griffith writes in, and they say, Which way do you face in the shower? I feel like TV and movies show people facing the shower head, whereas I usually find that I face away from it. Am I weird? I would say that's weird. I face away but from it.
3: Facing it is I weird. I face
0: away from it. Whoa, whoa, I face whoa. It? Wait, Janet, yeah. mid, what do you do? Split. Jury. I face
3: away from it, but I was just clarifying.
0: Whoa. Leah, we're in the minority for facing the shower head straight on. No fear. <laughs> Directly to the
4: forehead. Wow, I thought. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to drown when I'm when I I'm standing I in the am, water. That's to be clear. Sometimes I, need I am to be resuscitated it. a lot.
3: It just depends on what I'm doing in the yeah. shower. I, I'm washing my body, if, and I have to
4: when I'm clear my when chest, I'm washing. Up, I face it, but if I'm just standing there and like you know doing soaking what? it in soaking it in
3: well actually yes. i guess i face. you I don't, you really don't really you stand a in a hot then?
4: shower to relax <laughs> I,
0: do. I do i'm, I'm the it. weirdo I'm not, okay i'm not on the same side as this man <laughs> i
3: guess i'm actually <laughs> probably facing it a good amount like percentage wise because i only turn my back to it to like rinse my hair out. okay there we go so i guess i actually am facing it but i i guess what i want to clarify is that i'm not film style standing with the water running down my face in the shower like the mm. water hits around my neck down
0: yeah right
3: and if i want to opt in like if i wash my like sometimes i'll wash my face in the shower depending on like what skincare routine i'm on then i'll engage with the water but it's like on my own terms i'm not like walking into it like in a dramatic fashion like you're you're catching (laughs) it in
1: your hands and splashing it on your face in slow motion that's fun that's fun yeah yeah more like
3: a yeah a face wash commercial style not a dramatic breakup i feel like
1: i like to uh i like to roast myself in the shower like a little lobster like i really like to have that water hot oh yeah and then it's like my back can take the hot water more than my front and so it's (laughs) like if it's really hot then it's like it's hitting my back because that's less sensitive and i think that's why hmm so
0: imagine i bet the bottom of your feet could really take a wallop if you want to like lay down and put your feet up and then just go as hot as it can go that's gonna be. Yeah, a but thrill. where
1: else is that water falling?
4: I'm laying <laughs> on the ground. And <laughs> <right>? Oh
2: no! <laughs>
4: <laughs> this is bizarre. Uh, Sj man in the comments says I stand sideways because that's where the curtain is. Am my weird? So we can all.
3: I think we can all I come mean, together. I mean, I do all agree. of it. Like how are? You? I sideways. think I got to rotate around to get all the stuff.
0: Not me, no. baby. No, this
4: was our. This was our joining. Just put a little moment. lazy
0: susan in. Was I was <laughs> just thinking that. Yeah, it should be just like a rotating Austin Powers bed yeah, in there. It depends on
3: what I'm doing. Like, am I lathering? I'm probably stepping like towards the back of the shower it's like a shower tub thing so i can get a mm. lather going before i like rinse you know i feel like the the lather. vibe of the
1: question is like when you're when you're just chilling you know like what's oh, your default state because right, it's like, yeah, when i'm when i'm washing my front i'm going to face the water Turn, but like yeah. if i'm just thinking deep thoughts i think back ooh, to the water
3: i'm I, rotating still is that psychotic because <laughs> i want i want some heat like everywhere at different times yeah i'm sure. just I'm just spinning around.
0: I'll do like a little, like I'm skiing. I think I'll kind of give a little, like a little bit of this here and there. Uh, but Jimmy, Jimmy. I, want, I want to disconnect from the outside world, uh, I think, in the shower. So I need to face the wall. If I was facing the other way, it's kind of like a up. It's one of those up showers, but I could like see my bathroom. I don't even want to see my bathroom. I want to feel like I'm in a time capsule from hell uh, with no hint of the outside world. So that's why I need to just to face the water blast, I think. Sure. Have we gotten another?
4: I, I think shower orientation, like we're all talking about our orientation in the shower, but I think the orientation of your shower in the bathroom is probably playing into all mm, this mm-hmm,
0: as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Great questions. Uh, Stephen Toth wrote in, so this is a week late, but I have a weird custom food order story that I think about all the time. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, Patreon.com for all the weird custom food order stories, please. Um, I worked for years at a small diner that mostly was just open for breakfast. On my first Saturday, a guy came in, saw that I was new, and said, just tell the cooks I want the stand special. I was horrified to find out that the stand special was a waffle with a ladle full of the raw waffle batter on top of it. Oh my god. Oh no. I I was mortified, but I didn't say anything. I just watched this man eat this waffle with his fork and knife smeared in the waffle batter. This guy would come in every weekend and many weekdays too, and he always ordered this. Three years after I started, three years after I started, the owner died, and some restauranteur bought the joint. A few months ago, Uh, Sorry. A few months after that, I was about to service Stan, the Stan special, when the new owner saw what was happening and screamed, absolutely not. What are you doing? And wouldn't let me serve it. She was very adamant that we had to stop this right now. I went out with a batterless waffle and told the news to Stan. He thanked me, ate his waffle, left... And no one saw the old man ever again. (laughs) (laughs) He needed it to live. Wow.
3: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, can you imagine?
0: Every time I make waffles, I think of this. One time in college, I was making waffles, and I got curious, and I dipped a waffle in the batter. It was horrible. It was like dipping a chicken tender in liquefied chicken tenders. Uh, side note, working at a breakfast joint was one of those jobs, didn't appreciate for its awesome factor until those years later. The cooks were incredible. They could make every regional variant of egg that was asked of them. You would get people with the weirdest egg requests, and the cooks would all be like, uh, yeah, uh-huh, I got it. It amazed me every time, so go to your local diners and support them. So, There's such an interesting talk. arms race with eggs for chefs, I find. Like, uh, YouTube recipes, whenever pros weigh in on uh, on eggs, they always have their own, like, super fancy way to do an egg. I feel like it's some kind of measurement of chef character. Really? I guess so. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of spin, a lot of personality I guys you could put on that very basic thing.
1: Right. I, That's the idea. I do want to say, in solidarity with Stan, yeah. I've never put a ladle full of waffle batter on my waffle, but I make pancakes and I make waffles pretty often. It's like, I am going to lick the spatula from the bowl. I Yo, think that yeah. waffle and pancake batter is real yummy. I don't think it's that freaky to go the extra step. Though I would it never sounds- ask, I would never ask for it at like a place of business. I would be like, <laughs> I have to do this in my own
4: home. That's your own shame. No
3: yeah. shame. I would barely even ask for what they're genuinely offering. If it seems too much of an inconvenience, I'm like, you know what? Don't it- people will give me the wrong thing, and I'm like, it's like I'm not looking to start anything. Like, yeah. let's just let's just take the L if we can. But it sounds like it wouldn't. It it could not it it has a potential, but then it's funny hearing like the person that wrote in say I tried it and actually it's very disgusting, <laughs> which I think is also very valid.
1: Very valid. I used to uh, I used to work in a burger place, and the the weirdness that we would get was usually just like the extremes of burger cookness, where it would yeah. be like. Some some people would be like, no, I want you to hit the button for well done like twelve times so they know <laughs> how well done to make it. And then there's there's once a guy where I remember his phrase where he was like, I want a cow walked through a warm room was yes. like how, how much he wanted his burger cooked.
0: I always like the people too, they would phrase like bring the cow in, wipe its ass, and put it on my plate. I always like that one too. Uh <laughs> voivot by the way, it's a weird career i suppose but i feel like on giant bomb at least three times now dan reichert has brought up how i only like my steaks burnt to a crisp even on episodes he's not on Baclar will be like "Oh, ben hansen (laughs) wasn't it from min Max? yeah he likes it burnt to a crisp it's like there was like i have gotten better in my taste it's like i ordered a steak once in 2011 with dan reichert and jokingly quoted pulp fiction and said burnt to a crisp and now dan's convinced that i only have my steak burnt to Christ. i've worked my way down to a medium thank you ladies and gentlemen of giant bomb so wait i feel like we have the same kind of talk a
1: lot he's he's just a toxic personality in your life man i think you just got to cut him out <laughs>
4: that's yeah. interesting
0: he's always pulling this stuff with you yeah he is
1: really good at belatro so you know like keep him <laughs> around if you need tips yeah <laughs> yes. you got to
0: keep him around uh
1: voivod right
0: i'm sorry voivod Mick voivod Mick Garnagle, And if this is your real name, I apologize for laughing at it, and I respect you and your heritage. Uh, Hey, Min MinMaxinistas, what, if anything, would make PlayStation revise its course on depending so heavily on bigger and bigger, in scope and budget, first-party releases? Would we ever see a medium-scoped God of War, for example?
3: I think you totally could see that. I don't know if you'll see it at the scale that this person's kind of implying, if they're saying, we're backing off completely out of, you know the big kind of meaty triple a thing. I don't necessarily think they'll back away from that entirely outside of a big shift in the industry or a major success in other facets of what they do. Helldivers 2.
1: Yeah. Helldivers 2 is a double a game.
3: Yeah. PlayStation currently is that until it doesn't work for them or they find so much success in the other stuff that they can lean into it. But I do think. I feel like for a while people have been looking for like teams have been looking for smaller projects that, can sort of fill gaps or even just be more manageable. I mean, that was a big thing when we talked the other day about the Last of Us documentary, about them talking about how unmanageable it was. I don't think that bubble will burst so fully that we'll never see games at that scale again. But I'd say to answer that question, those are the things that I would look towards changing, whether complete insustainability in that methodology or enough success in other areas um, slash other people having success in other areas where they're like, oh my God, people don't really want what we're offering and we're investing a lot in it, we need to find a way to pivot and, and change it up.
0: Yeah, I feel like they were pivoting years ago with the push for live service games and now with Jim Ryan out, it might be shifting a little bit, but I think Helldivers is being such a wild success for them. That's certainly something for them to factor in and also I think it would take one of these big Sony AAA games to completely flop and it's like up until this point in kind of current era, era Sony, it's like the order... And Days Gone, maybe the weakest yeah. in that mold, but Days Gone certainly I'd imagine made its money back. And the order. Yeah. I would also imagine made its money back, but I guess I don't know that for sure, you know? Um, but it would just it would take that big flop or Neil Druckmann leaving Naughty Dog. Like it it's wild to think about how much of their business is relying on studio leadership writing skills <laughs> like taste. I don't
3: think tastes. Druckmann leaving would change like the trage- the complete trajectory of the studio. I'm just
0: saying they, it relies, this model of game relies a lot on kind of the the director role and the producers in the studio and kind of singular focuses more, maybe that's an incorrect take, but, but I think mean, It's you. his
3: own description. He's like, I had to bring in other people because I needed help doing yeah. it. And I don't mm-hmm. think that takes away from his contributions, but I think the... I'm playing Neil's brilliant vision. I mean, his obviously has a huge role in the in the projects, but I don't think... Oh, he leaves. No one else actually knew how to make a video game. It no, of
0: course not. I think it, I think it'd be just fine. But I'm just saying it's reliant, I think, on the writing and the creative leadership at a lot of these studios more than Sony. It's not the healthiest business structure for PlayStation to be leaning so heavily on a handful of very strong creators and their mm-hmm. studios. You know
1: that the the bigger issue might just be like development time gets completely unsustainable. You know, yeah. if like if all of their AAA studios take 7 years to make a game, like there are only so many remasters of that game you can release. Uh and it's like if they're if they're kind of going years with like only one game coming out because the development just keeps getting pushed longer and longer, then you need something to fill in those gaps.
0: Yeah. Um, I do think, you know, Backstage Pass, uh, Mr. Buttons, which, by the way, is, is on the screen for the video version, if you're at the $10 tier on Patreon, watching us live. But they say, wouldn't Miles Morales kind of fall into this camp?
3: Yeah. I, I would I, say so. I think so. But I think, the, to me, the question is gesturing more at how do we, what would it take for us to see that at scale? Like, not just, oh, yeah, they've done some smaller projects, but like, oh, we haven't, like, at what point, how would we get to the point where games like God of War and Last of Us 2, it's like, oh, Sony doesn't really make those anymore. Not at that level, in terms of vastness I think I feel like is the spirit of the question not necessarily will they ever make a small project again I think for sure and I think it'd be welcomed
0: and that's interesting because it is kind of a big DLC type of game versus like an actual mid-budget project Mm -hmm. I think we're more likely to see with new IP than with them going kind of backwards Miles Morales
1: only exists because they spent 200 million dollars making a spider-man game like they yeah. needed the enormous one first to make the small one
0: right right it's kind of the same way in the last of us two documentary uh grounded two is interesting how even by the end of the game's development they were still calling uncharted lost legacy sp dlc like that was like the code name it was like oh the single player dlc for uncharted 4 but i guess it's its own game now if you're really the one to count it that way um jason coburn writes in and says hey gang uh, Jim Henson's 1986 film Labyrinth ends with all the characters, good guys and bad, having a delightful dance party in Jennifer Connelly's bedroom. Nothing has convinced me more than I need to watch this movie. I somehow have never seen Labyrinth, but that sounds excellent. Hey, Labyrinth? Yeah, I missed it. It's somehow. an all-timer. Um, so Jason Coburn asks, what piece of media do you think would be improved by adding an everyone-invited, no-hard-feelings dance party at the end of it?
1: Avengers Endgame?
0: interesting game
1: uh no country for old men
0: Ooh, that's excellent even like the mom getting in there dancing she's like and she does like the quiet move on her walker she comes up and then just like starts going nuts and break dancing and stuff
1: actual coen brothers answer oh brother where art thou it kind of has a dance party in the middle of the movie but like imagine if that was the credits of that movie it's just everyone dancing that would be good it is a, an amazing
0: era when movies would just randomly end like that. And you wouldn't see it coming, but you go, oh, yeah, this is from this time period where all the characters are going to dance now. And right. all the actors I wouldn't expect to be <laughs> on board for something like this are smiling and being good sports about it. And maybe they're loving it. Maybe they're just getting a paycheck. But either way, I'm about to watch them dance. Well, that's why you need to watch Coming to America, the sequel to Coming to America on Amazon We're Prime, sure because it also ends mm-hmm. with a wonderful dance party to We Are Family. Um, Shrek two, of course. All the all the greats. Shrek one, Shrek one, Shrek three, probably Madagascar. Every
1: animated movie.
0: Yeah,
1: Ella Enchanted. Mm.
0: Uh, Great movie. In terms of movies, that 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 would actually be improved by having this too. I was thinking the original Willy Wonka. Feels like that would have changed the tone of the movie. Thinking of all these kids are dead, but then if everyone just comes back and dances, like (laughs) you'd know they're still alive, right? And it feels like it could fit within the tone of that
1: movie. I feel like it would be like like a weird pop song where you'd be like, remember that song at the end of Willy Wonka? (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah, it'd have to be the biggest hit from 1971 or something, which just wouldn't really fit with the overall vibe of that movie. Um, Maybe you'd weaken at Bernie's the kids for the dance scene. Mm. (laughs) That'd be good. (laughs) The The Ooppa are just like holding them around. (laughs) Uh, The Mist, I think, could use a nice dance party
4: (laughs) (laughs) at the end of
0: it. Um, uh, him
4: him by himself (laughs) (laughs) the tentacles
0: oh yeah they're oh they can really get nuts Um, this is what I was thinking about too because it's just a bummer to see all the characters come back that you love but they do nothing with them but Jurassic World Dominion that's what we want. Just, I want to see all my favorite characters of Jurassic Park dancing more than I want to see them navigating key cards while getting chased by bugs or whatever the hell else happens in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about the locust threat. That's right. such a good point. That would be a great, like, let's drop the act. We know what you want. Right. And then, like, Chris Pratt's like, you know, he does an elaborate whistle and then, like, Blue the Raptor comes in and they're like, oh, they, Blue on the dance
4: floor! You know? They they, yep, they, they should have incorporated <laughs> into the plot that, like, the new breed of dinosaur can't see dancing. <laughs> you know? So then that's you get, get second away. and third act dance. Yeah. So. That's right. <laughs> right. It writes itself,
1: Hollywood. Come on. I, uh, I recently read the uh, the Siskel and Ebert book that uh, came out, and one of the things that I had not did not know from that show was Siskel had a test, which was like, "Is this movie better than watching the actors in the movie eat lunch?" Right, and like Jurassic World Dominion is the ultimate. Like, <laughs> I would w- rather watch them eat lunch a hundred times than watch that movie. Yes,
0: absolutely. <laughs> uh, Ray Sweat writes in and says, "What mobile apps have you paid for?" Other than games. Good I donated notes. to Apollo, the Reddit third-party one, before they got shut down.
3: Mm. Oh, cool.
0: What's what's yours, Good
3: um, GoodNotes. What's it's that? It's like a note-taking app. It's a note-taking app. It's uh, basically like a digital notebook, but I think it has a really, like, verbose amount of tools, um, and I feel like it's fairly affordable, and I don't know if they still do it this way where it's just, like, lifetime, because a lot of... Unfortunately, a lot of apps have gone the subscription method. Like, I don't care how much money you give me. I want your money forever. It's like, damn, that's a lot. Um, Sleep Cycle as well. Before they went subscription, I got like grandfathered in where I like bought the app and now I can just use it, which is great.
0: Do you feel like Sleep Cycle has helped you? Okay.
3: I think a little bit. Okay.
0: I I see you post that stuff and I just think like, isn't it easier just to not think about all this stuff and just try some strategies without having another thing to check the data on for something as primal as sleeping. It kind of freaks me out, if I'm being honest, Janet.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, you talked about this with the Pokemon sleep thing. You're like, yeah, oh my god, like, Ash it. is listening to me breathe. That's so I'm not weird. one of those um,
0: privacy. He could, I would be honored if you listen to me breathe. It's just more, I don't want another thing to check. <laughs> You're yeah, allowed I mean, to not I really want just, someone to listen to you breathe while you sleep. <laughs> I honestly,
3: <laughs> more so than the data, because I'm not really, so what Sleep Cycle is, it's kind of implied by the name, but it's like an, an app that, tracks your sleep and it'll like give you like data on like the quality of sleep stuff like that with coughing all that um i don't really use it to change much of my sleep behavior because the information is pretty clear it's like if you sleep a little more right. that's good if you sleep too much diminishing returns like we kind of already know that what i really like it for is the smart alarm where i set it and within a 30 minute window it goes off when it's easiest to pull me out of my sleep and that's why i like mm, okay that's
0: yeah, that that interesting nice. cool. i take yeah. it back um, Michael Karpinski writes in and says Recently the Besties podcast Has proposed shifting away from the term Metroidvania and instead is using The Japanese name for the genre Which is search action What do y'all think about this? Uh, Gerstmann, Jeff Gersman no. also Absolutely uses not. He also uses Bad search mouthfeel. action I, I like search action I will
3: take. Search
4: action?
0: Search action No Survival games are search action games
3: yeah, this is like you know how Metro. What Mania, game isn't a
4: search act? Yes, yeah,
3: so you know how a lot of a lot of genres like have crossover where it's like, well, what's? Specific? I feel like it's like let's take that problem and make that problem worse by calling it search action.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel like the the where this question went wrong was yeah. hey we're gonna choose a new name for this thing like names develop naturally. Out of things but you they're can't saying just say hey let's let's everybody change what we call this now are you calling That's the japanese
0: right it's a japanese name for the genre is search action apparently I probably yeah but it feels better also in stupid. japanese
4: mm. <laughs> it's okay. like my guess
1: is if, if if we understood japanese it would make more sense than search action it's probably
0: also been grandfathered in over decades and they hate it too yeah yeah like we hate metroidvania
4: do we hate Metroidvania? There were probably two games called, like, Search favorite. and Destroy and Elevator Action, and they mm. just smashed them together, and it doesn't even mean what we think it means. Oh, I love Elevator Action.
0: Gavin Fitzgerald writes in and says, favorite <laughs> meal or dish that you've had recently? Mine. Gavin butts in. always trying to squeeze this in. At, a local, in. at a local food truck event last weekend, I had a block of vanilla ice cream between sweet and chewy brioche buns covered in caramel and Biscoff sauce. It was so good. Wow. Give it to us, Gavin. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> what do y'all got? <laughs> wow. um, I, uh, I made a grilled cheese on Monday with a baguette and American cheese, cheddar cheese, mango habanero gruyere, and spinach and fried onions. Whoa. And yep. I dipped it in tomato soup. It was so good.
4: That's too fancy. That sounds like a $20 sandwich. Really.
1: Might have been. How if you make it?
0: Yeah. My, um... um Go ahead. Go ahead, Jacob, please, my son.
1: A uh a while ago, <laughs> uh my partner and I were celebrating uh like a the thing that she had happen at work. Um and we went to a a tempura place where they just you know, they give you a bunch of different fried uh pieces of seafood essentially. And there was um there was a, a piece, it was like white sea bass or something, and we both we ate our little piece at the same time and we're just like Oh my God. And we like, we like called, it was a small enough restaurant that we could just kind of like wave to the waiter and we came over and we we're like, do other people feel this way about the white sea bass? <laughs> and she was like, the other day, a woman ate it and started crying. Oh, like, what?
3: <laughs> wait, where, where is this at? I need. Go is,
1: it's a place called M. Tempura in Durham. So, uh, you know, if, if you're in Durham, go check it out. But it was like specifically that one thing. And it was like, yeah, other people have this reaction. You are not unique Whoa. in finding this so moving.
0: <laughs> is white sea bass wild? the same as... Chilean sea bass which is what they eat in Jurassic Park because it always looks good I've just never had it
1: I'm gonna assume it is I truly don't know enough about fish to know
0: um man mine is not even at a restaurant but I just went over uh to hang out at my friend Rory's house a while ago and he just made a pizza which Mm. you know homemade pizza it's like yeah sure I feel like I understand the range for that I I really feel like this is the best pizza I've ever had in my life it is unbelievably good And it's just a dash of honey in there and a dash of barbecue sauce. But then it's just like a kind of deep dish type thing. Was it like
1: a a cast iron pizza? What did he Mm. make it in? Or like a Neapolitan?
0: It was a pizza.
1: So, (laughs) yeah,
0: it was was, uh, cast iron-ish. And then he also, he put it in like a... Air fryer, some other fancy device. I don't know anything about, about cooking. All or I know is well the pizza. I don't know anything about it. All <laughs> I know is the tastiest, crispiest damn thing I've ever had in my life. Um, Ant writes in, they say, Hey, gang, a few episodes ago, you talked about the difference between missions and quests in games, and I really enjoyed that discussion. Thank you, Ant. In 2002, Final Fantasy 11, it released, and it actually had both in the game missions were the ones that pushed the story long while quests were side content. Thank you, Ant. So, XI oh. has answered it once and for all because it is uh, the genesis of all things. I would think it would be the opposite. They say nay. Uh, Luke yeah. Neff writes in, and Luke says, "Hey, man, Max. A few episodes ago, Ben lamented the f- Ben lamented the lack of modern movies tackling the concept of greed and its evils. This was on Bonus Pod, uh, mm. actually, where we're talking about Frank Capra movies from the thirties and forties. And well, I just have gone on the rabbit hole because so many of them are just." hell-bent on tearing down greed as a concept. I feel like we got away from it. This is a bonus pod conversation that Jacob and I had. Anyways, Luke says, Which of the other deadly sins has the best catalog of media devoted to unpacking it? So we got greed, pride, lust, wrath, envy, gluttony, and sloth. Probably I mean, Jefflem's Home Movies?
3: A wrath?
1: <laughs> Wait, so we're just picking which... Which which sin has the best, like, collection of movies Milu. that are about it? Yeah, yes. I, r- wrath
4: or lust, right? <laughs> are, are, we, are we saying that they contain these things or that they, like, discuss them meaningfully? Unpacking like, it. You said unpack.
0: Unpacking. Makes, like, like more than just a theme. I, I think themes are okay. unpacking.
3: Okay.
4: Yeah. So handy. does John Wick count for Wrath?
3: Yeah, I think, I think it does. it does. I think it
4: does. Yeah, I
3: okay. was honestly on the lookout for. I could then wrath. Yeah. off the top of my head, but I was looking for what's the closest to vengeance because I think there's just a lot of you know, Kill yeah, Bill. Like there's like a lot of films and media that have to do with revenge, mm-hmm. um, whether that's just getting it and the satisfaction, the emptiness of revenge, like Park Chan Wook, baby, last, last yeah.
0: trilogy. That's right. Um, Pride and Seems Prejudice. Like the biggest pool. Yeah, I think so. Pride is one of those that. If I were smarter, I'd come up with the reason why Pride is actually the answer here and that it's, it's the great umbrella for a bunch of great films.
3: Is Breaking Bad Pride?
0: I think Breaking Bad's Pride. Mm. Yeah,
1: no. I, I like think it's, it's more like,
3: greed than pride. I don't is know. it great? He's trying pride, to survive. I think it's, so, like, you know, I think it's a little power. everything.
1: Because, it is, yeah.
3: It's definitely a little everything. That, <laughs> that's actually very true
1: it's Not like yeah lust. pride gets you smart you know you get you get like michael clayton yes pride <laughs> that's or something. exactly like it. you get kind of legal thrillers with yeah. pride right yeah frank great movie by pride
0: right right um sloth has to be the worst right well gluttony uh, heavyweights What what,
1: what gluttony is your film? <laughs> well, is everyone everyone loved by? the whale our favorite movie. <laughs> okay all right <laughs>
3: supersize me like i don't know i don't know what's in that
0: <laughs> yeah that movie sucks <laughs> uh sloth it'd be like zootopia uh, ice age yeah what else we got
1: <laughs> i think uh is supersize me secretly about pride because that dude was actually just an alcoholic and there were I like was about your liver's that, yeah. failing and he's like yeah must be all the mcdonald's i mean, yeah i started eating oh, a Oh man. Ago. yeah <laughs> <laughs>
3: mm.
0: okay so wrath is the answer And then then video games would just be Wrath. Nice and easy. There it is. Um, Andre Silva writes and says, hey, everyone, I have a two-part question. Number one, I'm getting married this weekend at Disney World, and I wanted to know if you all are happy for me. Of course, no. They said, I'm getting married this weekend at Disney World, and I wanted to know, what are your no-nos slash things you don't enjoy at weddings?
3: Oh, don't enjoy.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it's quite too late
3: for him to change anything, though. <laughs> like, it's a week away. <laughs> I
0: guess that's true. Uh, so, and then number two, as we're heading to the keys for our honeymoon, any tips on unplugging from work slash business as I consistently find myself glued to my outlook whenever I'm out of the office? Great question. Please Deletes tell me what it's like.
3: Or Deletes. Throw Deletes that
4: behind. phone in the ocean.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, just yeah. To, yeah, I think deleting apps is a good way to go if you know for sure. it feels so
3: good. Like, the power rush of deleting Slack. Uh
0: yeah, because no one I might just
3: do it today just to feel something, you know?
0: <laughs> you're a bad person if you're reaching out to your colleague when they're on their honeymoon. Like it would have to be pretty damn urgent. So if you're worried about work emails or something, like that's that's not on you at that point. You're on your freaking honeymoon. Although on my honeymoon, Janet, I don't know how you feel about it, Greg Miller did call me. When I was in Alaska, yeah, I told which, him not
3: to. <laughs> I Everyone still, told him not to. Everyone's I thought like, it "Greg, was come on, this is like so tacky, dude." People, we're often yelling at Greg to stop doing what he's I, doing. It's never stopped before.
0: I was genuinely flattered. It was like a thrill to see it pop up on my phone because, like, oh, this is this is going to be a whole thing. Ooh, but in, in retrospect, yeah, it was just like, that is a bold move, Greg. I, I would have, I would have
3: um, <laughs> oh, would I have um what I've answered. That's an interesting, uh, yeah. he knows Isaiah, so like maybe it's a little different, but mm. I
0: might
3: would have hung up. Like, I mean, yeah. it was something stupid, like, you know what I mean? Because it's always like some, that's Greg always calls just for them, the memes, like the quick meme content. It was something
0: but, about like Epic Creator Code, I don't know, it's something about a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, he it, just has like, know, it's just
3: like if he has a question, he's like, I'm just going to call this person and like answer it. I think or, there's like, something
0: to him. that about him being a successful person in this industry and just having that impulse of like, F it, I'm going to reach out. You know, I think, I think that does yeah, he calls something. It, he'll
3: call Cisco, he'll call anybody. Like. <laughs>
0: this guy will call Cisco. Uh, so anyway,
3: the, back to the question, I guess. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, uh, new, what was the question? Stuff we don't like. New no-nos at
1: weddings. What are, the, what are the big no-nos? This one is, it's hard to plan around, but like, you don't want the transition times to be too long. Mm. You know, it's like, it's like, OK, we're waiting for them to set up dinner and everyone's just kind of like standing in a weird place. And it's like, what, what's are are we eating soon? Are we supposed to start dancing? Like, I kind of I yeah. want I want there to be like swift transitions between like now it's this part of the wedding and now we're doing this.
0: At the same time, I feel like at a majority of weddings I've been to, I always feel like when the dancing starts, I have that moment of like, oh, dancing already? It feels. Am I alone, or is everyone like? Thank God, the dancing has started. And I like dancing, but it just feels like I'm barely finishing my meal here. And so no, you like, can
1: you can let the dinner go. I just yeah. don't want there to be. It's honestly, it's more before the food starts where I feel like it's just like everyone is awkwardly standing around yeah. for a little too long. It's like between the opener and the main performance at a concert. Looks well, like cocktail
3: like, hour has made too long to you.
1: I I think cocktail hours are often too long. Okay. Okay.
3: Um, they're, they're think, an hour
1: though
3: always I feel like they're just, just the, the vibe is an hour the, title. <laughs> the time is who knows um, I think if you have speeches probably keep them kind of short not because yep. I don't mind hearing them but I was at a wedding where like for me I always like look at the people talking like I feel like it's really rude to like not do that but I could tell that like I think you just kind of lost the audience and like there were a lot of side conversations Oof. and it kind of just felt like Oof. not great um, similarly I was at a wedding where Everyone was there was like drama with like the dessert table because it was like displayed. (laughs) But like, can I go there yet? And then we weren't supposed to go. And like the person running it was like trying to stop people, but they didn't stop enough people. So like everyone went because they saw everybody. And then the couple was like, no one saw us cut the cake because y'all were just like eating donuts. And I'm like, hey, I don't know what went. That's on the coordinator. I don't know. So I think watch out for unclear directions for like what guests should be doing if they need to be doing anything, especially in terms of getting up for food. Like, yep. Are we going to be called on tail, by tail? Like what? I think just clear directions for stuff is important.
0: Yeah. The speeches thing is huge. I think the worst is one time I was at a wedding and they were like, Hey, open mic. Anybody want to say anything? Like, oh, that's, no. that's oh, God. tough. It's going to go terrible. on forever. You're just asking for an extended period of awkward, <laughs> barely planned out speeches. And it's, it's a no go. And I would Who say it loves to talk the most. Yes. That's exactly oh, all it is. Yep. Um, but on the speeches thing, it's like, if you're given a speech, Read it out loud to somebody. It's the classic thing of reading your own writing out loud. It'll feel completely different. Tighten that sucker up. And then I've said it before, but if you're giving a speech at a wedding, snip out all of the eyes, me, my's, mind. Make it zero about you. (laughs) Like, just focus fully on other people. I feel like every wedding speech, people cannot help but being a narcissist in that situation. It's like, this is the one time where truly nobody gives a crap about you. Like, just go all in on highlighting the bride and groom, and it's going to be way better overall. Yeah, sometimes with parent speeches, too, they'll have, like, self-focused advice about relationships that are kind of outdated or specific to their generation versus, like, the way we do things now. That could be awkward. Yeah. Yeah. So
4: is our advice for them to email all their friends and say, hey, this isn't about you. Cut out any crap in your speeches. Yes, yes. I would there you go well you Good can advice. send them
1: this whole
0: episode of the podcast say, you should listen to this whole there episode I think it's yeah. just a great like, oh oh episode like oh this hey, is notes. this is so
3: interesting right what do you think and like act like it's not <laughs> it's not like imposing the information
0: so we should talk about skull and bones at our wedding or I don't know <laughs> uh, there you go Andres that's it and that's how to have a perfect wedding and uh, congratulations enjoy the honeymoon uh, yeah. pff, who wins that vinyl we'll be calling oh we'll be calling alright Andres uh, oh who at wins that Psychonauts 2 vinyl Tough call this week, eh? Mm. Um,
3: the wedding was fun, even though it's the thing we just talked about. Um, yep. no, also, can't... shout out to The Skull and Bones, because it got the platinum Jeff from I enjoyed
0: that. And The Shower that. Question,
3: because the, the answer kept changing the more I thought about what they are really asking.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Which
3: maybe means I should think about it more before I answer <laughs> Shower One
1: was some classic, classic just like, oh, Cla- we're different and we have opinions. <laughs>
3: <laughs> classic yeah. life, slice of life content.
0: I do like that one. I like the... Is Dead Space Extraction, one person's favorite game. Um mm-hmm. I like the stand special. Don't discount that. I
3: like That was fun actually. I did like that a lot.
0: Dance party? Seven Deadly Sins. Are we are we all are we leaning? in the Are we leaning shower?
1: Shower's my now actually I stand place. straight up in the shower.
0: Oh really? What's that like? Yeah, I don't yeah, lean. no leaning. Uh well congratulations. I wrap my mouth around the shower head. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I say 10. Kirby. Brady Griffith, uh, there we go. Congratulations, you won the Psychonauts 2 vinyl soundtrack. Thanks to our friends at iMateBit. You can use that promo code Leapfrog Year for 10% off of everything under 100 dollars in the iMateBit wonderful online store. I'm sorry for people who have the ad-free version of the podcast, but I forgot to mention this earlier, so that's why you're getting a little bit of an ad later on your podcast. Enjoy! <laughs> $5 tier for the ad-free version. Uh, now it's time for something that we like to call Get a little of This! <music> who wants up at the plate? Who wants up at the plate?
3: I'll go. Get a load of this. Um, I tossed this in actually as we were talking because it's something that is intriguing to me and it came up with the the Stan's pancake waffle thing, uh-huh. but the um, every way to cook an egg, 59 methods from Bada bon Petite. I feel like it's, I dream of trying all of these methodologies and just really becoming the master of the egg. It is such a versatile mm. food and it's really cool seeing the different ways that you can make it come to life, which includes a blowtorch and a waffle iron in here. So Ooh. they really run the gambit wow. on, on what they're doing there.
0: Love it. Uh, hey, get a load of this. Um, there's an article... Uh, but you can't be knighted in the U.S., but you can be named a Sagamore of the Wabash, and it's about all of the honorary titles that exist in different regions of the United States that I was not aware of. So in Kentucky, you can be named a Colonel, and it's the Commonwealth's highest official honor, and it's bestowed by the sitting governor. It's equivalent of being knighted. Is you're just oh you're a Colonel in Kentucky at that point, uh, in Rhode like Island like a KFC style Colonel. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It. In Rhode Island, you can become a Commodore. It's the highest honor. In Texas and Nebraska, you you become an admiral. Which, it's so weird that it's like doubling up with like military ranks when it's just this honor like this. Uh, there's a bunch of different ones for different states, um, so you can check that art, uh check it out in the article that's linked below. This,
1: uh, this isn't mine, but have you ever seen the uh, Air Force's Order of the Sword? No. It is a uh, a strange honorary thing that they do where they give people swords that literally look like final fantasy weapons oh. it is they give each other big honking anime swords and wow. it is the funniest oh, thing wow. in the world.
0: it takes like two people to hold that yeah that's sweet <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right uh, amazing. get a load of this um in the demo for the video game Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth, there is a functioning piano yes. um that has way more keys uh and options than you would expect. And there is a YouTube channel called uh Jan Oaksen or Jean Oaksen that was um Previously, just like a skilled pianist, it seemed. And now he has been uploading a bunch of covers of songs in the Final Fantasy VII piano demo. Uh, And what made me laugh so hard is that several of them are songs that I have learned to play on piano, presumably because they are so simple that then he is able to like nice. work them out. Uh, and one of those is my heart will go on uh, from Titanic, <laughs> uh, which is very funny to see cloud play.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wistfully. It's beautiful.
1: Uh, get a lot of this.
0: Project KO was the attempt by the community to bring back Rumbleverse. Ooh. They got to the point of having private servers sometimes, but they couldn't figure out how to put clothes on anybody. So it was a bunch of naked characters running around <laughs> with no <laughs> genitals or hair. <laughs> uh, and then they got the seasoned assist from Iron Galaxy, not formal, oh. but just to reach out. Hey, can you can you stop doing this? And that full transcript of their conversation, their Discord group chat is public at projecthao.org. And It's an interesting read, certainly for me as a Rumbleverse fan, but also just as like what is what a PR situation to, to navigate. Yeah, to be like have to reach out to the most avid fans of your thing. That has been canceled trying to bring it back and have that conversation. It's just an interesting read. They handled an interesting it interesting well. little chapter in that game's story. Yeah, do you see that what Gearbox is bringing back, like, gigantic, that MOBA? It's really <laughs> like, what? Like, that feels so much less popular than, like, a Rumbleverse. But sure, why not? Give another go. Can't sure. let certain things go. Anything but
4: Rumbleverse, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Anything you got.
4: Uh, get a load of this. Um, Hanson told me I should announce it, so now it's a get a load of this. I'm having a baby
2: yeah hey. and
0: he's happy about it you guys don't listen to his voice yes. or his tone at all
4: hey hot damn jeff yeah.
3: you be like preloaded being tired or like let's go <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I already am i already have one three-year-old running around so it's i can't i pos i can't possibly get sleepier than i am now Oh, right? uh, we're gonna um, find out aren't we
3: in a few years we they will. can raise the other one maybe That's true. That's what I'm banking on.
4: Um, Yeah. Nice delegation. Yeah. The the first one will take over, and then I won't worry about it. That's so sweet. But yeah, so I'll be out.
3: You know, hello parenthood of your younger sibling.
4: Uh, I'll be out like mid March, starting mid March for a couple. Yeah. Can
1: you put the the link to your child in the YouTube description? (laughs) (laughs) I think
0: that's the umbilical cord. I'll figure that Um, out.
4: Yeah. So, DNA sequence. He might still need that right now. <laughs> uh,
0: Jeff from Backstage Pass says, the announcement on your solo stream last Thursday was
4: really weird because you technically announced it in that Palatro yeah. stream. Yeah, yes. People people kept on bringing up, like, someone brought up, are you going to do another board game video and are you going to do another thing? I was like, well, yeah, you know, the next couple months are going to be busy. And then I was like, <laughs> I, I have been muttering around this for too long now. I should just say what is... Happening. You broke your so, own yeah. embargo. Very impromptu. I did. <laughs> I broke my own embargo, but I guess I I can't. It's it's okay when it's your embargo. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well,
3: so, only the real fans got that information. Like, that's right. I'm a fake Jeff fan, so I found out right now. Watching you know, an hour into a Balatro
0: stream, um. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. Jeff, it was specifically it was people asking you why you aren't going to be on the deepest dive for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. <laughs>
4: Yeah, that that was the second. Like the tabletop one came first, I think, and uh, then it, and then that one pushed me over the edge and was like, "All right, let's just." I'm having my own it rebirth. That's exactly it. Yeah, I. That's literally the joke I I make.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so sorry, Jeffem isn't going to be joining us on the deepest dive for for rebirth, but there's a very good reason why. So congratulations, Jeffem. Um, uh, you enjoy your break, and I'll be sure to bug you just like you're on your honeymoon. Um, that's right. it's gonna be wonderful so yeah middle of March for a couple months Jeff and we'll be out of the picture yep. here um, but we'll have AI Jeff Lump to fill that gap and everyone's gonna love it um, perfect hey get a load of this in the MinMax community uh, there's that uh, get a load of this channel where everyone shares their factoids we had somebody write into the podcast this week just like hey I don't want to use Twitter anymore but I don't know where to get my gaming news I'm telling you I'm not just trying to upsell you But in that MinMax Discord, it's $2 tier, which you get access to. That feed is truly great for just for a breezy, clean read of gaming news from around the industry. But Um, general jackass writes in and they say, Hey, there's a neat web tool that can search across the transcripts of a YouTube channel or playlist. And it gives all the relevant timestamps for any search term. It's very handy when you can't remember in which video something was mentioned, or when you want to find all the instances that something was talked about. So there's a link below if you want to use this, but it is an awesome tool. Now with the transcriptions on YouTube, you can search for how many times this phrase has been said across an entire YouTube channel. Um, so, for example, people give me crap about saying, am I nuts too much? And it turns out in the entire history of the MinMax show, I have said that phrase 44 times, which feels low to me. Okay.
3: Am I nuts oh, or does it feel that. like he said it way more times <laughs> yeah. It that? does.
0: Maybe the yeah. AI is off. Um, I'm a little bit obsessed just because I've listened to his voice for so long, but I can't impersonate it. But Jeff Gerstmann has a, has a tick and we all have verbal ticks, right? But he says, um, I don't know. He says, mm, I don't know a lot, especially like solo podcasting does a lot. So I searched how many times Jeff Gersman has said, I don't know on Jeff Gerstmann's YouTube channel, and it's 14,674 times. That's,
3: that's so unfair, though, because it includes know, stuff it does, outside it does. of the, um, it's, I it's, know.
0: I'm not trying to insinuate that he's, you know, an ill-informed person. He's clearly one of the You're smartest like, voices me. in the industry. You're killing it at
3: ah! 47, and then this clown's <laughs> getting away with 14,000, oh, them. I don't know.
0: Yeah, this Google tool said that I'm smarter than Jeff Gerstmann? I don't know. It's just right there. I don't know. That's weird.
3: Oh, I don't know? <laughs> you don't know?
0: <laughs> a of it. I don't know. Am I, nuts or I don't know? Uh, All right, that's it uh, for this episode of the podcast. We have some stuff coming up, believe it or not. We have Trivia Tower coming up February 23rd. It is the second one that Michael Huber is hosting. It's happening at 7 p.m. Central this Friday. So if you jump in at the $2 tier on Patreon, you can compete in-game trivia to win an Astro A30 headset, which is worth hundreds. um, And you can win a code for Bellatro. Um, on Steam, which is going to dominate your life. uh, If you make it to the third floor there, if you make it to the fifth floor, you get a code for Blue Fantasy Relink. Uh, The RPG that's out now, so that's a a good get. A ton of other prizes as well that's available to you. And uh, Tim Geddes from Kind of Funny is going to be joining as the co-host for this episode with Michael Huber. So help support this show, help support MinMax as an outlet by jumping in there, competing in game trivia. You also get access to the Discord, and you get access to submitting your thoughts uh, on Final Fantasy VII Rebirth for us to read during the deepest dive. So please jump on in there and support the show that way. Um, And access to submitting your crushes for Thirst Council if that keeps going. Right, right. We had the second episode of Thirst Council for New Show Plus, um it was it was a hot one. Second episode, we talked about last week. Like, could anything dethrone this show, which seems to be a community juggernaut, in the second week? And so I think we even joked about it in the last episode of the podcast, like, oh, House Hunter Rise, I don't know. Um and we put House Hunter Rise in the poll this week and Thirst Council crushed it. So that show is not coming back for a while. And everyone's saying, Oh, Hansen, classic Hansen putting in House Hunter Rise to try and get people off the horny train. Um, mm-hmm. Let the record show and hope you all can back me up. That was 100% Sarah. Sarah's saying, F it, Civil War, put it in that poll, let's do it. So, <laughs> blame Sarah in a yeah. positive. Uh, episode one. two was really good. It um, was I fun. Yeah. It. it was a really fun one. Yeah. You can check that out on Minmax's Min Max's YouTube channel. Opinion. There it is. <laughs> it's a great episode. Um, also, we're going to have a max spoilers for like a dragon, infinite wealth coming up soon on Minmax's Max's channel. Um, if all scheduling goes according to plan, that's going to be up on this Friday. And then also in the bonus podcast feed, if you're a $5 supporter, where you can also unlock bonus pod, which is the companion show to the Min Max show that Haley McLean has been doing an excellent job hosting. Leo Vader and her had a lovely chat this week. Uh, talking about Argyle, talking about your favorite animated shows. Haley McLean got a PlayStation Portal, and so she runs down the pros and cons of that whole thing. But fun episode there, Leo. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun since Haley took over, and fun before that also. It's been equally <laughs> no, fun. <laughs> no, Haley has improved that show in a big way. Absolutely, uh, it's super fun to, to listen to. Um, totally. J- Janet, you got something you want to plug?
3: Uh, yeah, I was on the most recent episode of the Easy Allies podcast. The title is The Real Xbox News with Jan Garcia. February yeah. 16th, 2024 is the date they sort of associate with it. Um, yeah, it was a little fun time. It's uh, in, I don't know if people know, but they shoot their podcasts, I think, predominantly, if not exclusively, no, in person. Exclusively, yeah. Here in LA. So um, I went to the studio, like, checked it out, uh, got to be there live in person. Uh, Michael Huber was on there, who, you know, y'all might know from being the interim Trivia Tower host. So this was my. This is our cultural exchange, you right. know, like we got Michael and I I came across with like my basket of min-max treats to greet the other content creators in L.A. But uh, yeah, it was a fun time. So really cool seeing their setup. Uh, honestly, like one of my favorite studios I've been to. It might be my favorite studio space yep. that I've been to. Better than Kind nice. of
0: Funnies.
3: I think I like, I find it, well, the practicality of of what Kind of Funny, I think their, their space works well for them because of their stream situation. Yeah so like that's kind of also the production value is just way more money i assume but like the functionality of it i think it's really well done like i really like how they have everything set up and spaced out like i think they've done a great job with the space
0: same designer of the studio i do believe
3: yeah yeah that um that designer's done a couple i think that designer's also worked on if it's the same person probably also on what's good games is Mm, set up i think as well if it's like tim's brother
0: yeah right i think there? so yeah yeah. Somebody, somebody's yeah, relative tim's is is like always remember.
3: helped happy to like come in and help people like kind of get their stuff rigged up so uh yeah really cool space
0: that's cool who, uh yeah who designed min maxes it's kind of nature
3: kinda honestly you should have tim's brother hey. <laughs> fly him in and just see what happens <laughs> see what happens. And record recorded because that, that's free content enjoy that yep. you have to pay for um,
0: all right. Thank you so much, everyone, for sticking with us. I know we've had a stretch of really long episodes of the min show recently. There's been a lot to cover, um, but everything's smooth sailing and short from here on out, baby. No more games the rest of the year. All, we're saving all of our game discussions for the deepest dive on Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. So thanks again for supporting that huge effort. I uh, really appreciate it. And your contributions will only make the show better by submitting comments over on Patreon or just by listening to the show when you're... Uh, patreon exclusive podcast feed. All right, enough plugs. We get it. Hey, Jillian, you, know you can become a game champion by supporting MinMax at the $50 tier on Patreon? And you can lock in the game of your choice. Become the game champion, everybody. Uh, just like Procyon number six is the champion of Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, Joshua Ayers is the champion of Borderlands 3, probably in honor of that Borderlands movie trailer that came out. Uh, Rabid Lime is the champion of Cookie Clicker. Great choice. Andre Silva, the married person themselves, uh, the champion of Final Fantasy Ten a detroit become human has a champion and their name is the sleepy mailman patrick polk uh, now this is diabolical patrick polk is the champion of final fantasy 7 rebirth dastardly move but fair game thanks so much everybody for dripping at that game champion tier we'll have the game championship poll up soon where you can choose which game we create bonus content about all right that's it anybody else got something they're dying to say no, someone's calling me, so I gotta answer, like, end of the podcast right now so I can answer it. Okay, sounds good. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good, have fun.
2: Let's go!